You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Once again, to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, the podcast, a spin-off podcast of the Dark Discussions podcast, which is all part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com, a website that is updated daily with genre and cinema news. So sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno-thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house, midnight movies, drive-in films, foreign films, cult films and a lot. We basically try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, what's going on? Not too much. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri? Hi, this is Gavin. Gavin, how's it going? It's a going. Excellent. And in the state of Massachusetts? Uh, Johnny here. How are you? Johnny, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, folks who are curious, uh, the website is updated daily with news releases, columns, articles. Uh, we've, we've had two articles in the past two days. One uh, of an interview of Holly Masiak, uh, artist, uh, actress, and podcaster, who's actually um, does a podcast for the the network, Dark Discussions News Network, and uh, that was a big article that just came out today, yesterday, Camera Obscura, uh, article by uh, Stoker Award-winning author uh, David Kramer, who actually uh, wrote an article about uh, nature and, and horror, so talked mostly about Food of the Gods by H.G. Wells and the, and the adaptation of that film in the uh, mid-70s. Uh, and then we have a bunch of new uh, press releases uh, that, that uh, talk about some new films that are coming out. Uh, so it's a website that is updated daily. So if you follow genre or art house cinema, you should come to the website uh, at least once a day uh, to check out what's there. And also uh, numerous other podcasts are part of the network. There's over 30. Uh, three of them, three different podcasts had uh, episodes today that were released. Uh, so uh, the, uh, by the time you hear this, it could be any time uh, since these episodes stay on the internet forever unless we take them down. Uh, the episodes that were released today uh, were uh, Fresh Cuts, uh, about a zombie comedy that was released. Uh, then there was uh, It Isn't a Horror, uh, basically a, a film by Paul Schrader from 1977. He wrote it was the screenwriter starring William Devane. Uh, talks about that film. And I think it was called uh, Running Scared or something. I, I can't remember. Uh, but the uh, third 
a podcast that came out was NFW podcast, and that was about Willie's Wonderland, uh, probably one of the best horror films I've seen in 2021, starring Nicolas Cage. Uh, that film actually may st- uh, still be only a $20 rental because uh, it was supposed to be a Halloween release last year, and they've been, it's been out for like two months now uh, for $20. Uh, but once it hits the $6.99 or less, that's a, a film that uh, everybody should definitely check out. Uh, so the episode's uh, talking about those films uh, just came out by other podcasts on the network. Uh, for folks who want to help, uh, that would be a great thing. Uh, basically, we have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash darkdiscussions, or just go to darkdiscussions.com and press the Patreon link, which is on the right side of every page of the website. Uh, basically, um, we do this all for free. We don't get any money from anybody except from any person that fails to donate to us. Uh, we do have a lot of expenses. For example, we just paid $150 for a year subscription of the Zoom software so we could interview uh, filmmakers and whatnot uh, because uh, otherwise uh, we would not have uh, any way to uh, get a, a good amount of folks on from films to join us otherwise. So uh, anything you want to donate would be great. If you do donate, uh, there's a chance that uh, you would get a reward from the Dark Discussions News Network. Basically, for every $5 that you donate per month, uh, you can choose a film for us to review. So, for example, if you donate uh, $15, you could ask for three different films for us to do, such as Beyond the Door, Daniel and Anna, or Silk Scream, or you could do Silk Scream three times, and uh, they all go into a figurative hat, and at the end of every quarter, we pick one film from that uh, list uh, randomly, and then uh, the Dark Discussions podcast does an episode on that film. So any money that you would like to send us, it would be greatly appreciated. Also, you can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or press the contact us uh, link on darkdiscussions.com and we will read your email on the podcast. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Uh, the only other thing is uh, today is April 14th, 2021. Uh, for, for some of our listeners, they always are curious when we record the episodes because sometimes they don't come out the next week after recorded. Uh, we put them in the queue and then we uh, update them and edit them and get them out, uh, not in uh, the order that we recorded them. All right. I think uh, that's pretty much it. Um, if there's any news or anything, we'll discuss that at the end of the episode. But until we do, I guess we get in our topic tonight. So, uh, Barrett, what are we going to discuss tonight? We are going to discuss the movie Marla. Um, it came out in 2018. Um, it was directed by Lisa Vanden Bates, and she was also the writer and the star, um, with a few other people acting in it with her. Um, Travis Johnny Ware, Jason Stange, Palmer Chase, and Katie Hemming. Some guy you kind of know is giving you an IUD for free. Jake, he's a doctor. He's just doing me a favor. Is this supposed to hurt this bad? There's something wrong with me, and this IUD is making it worse. Doc, I need you to take this thing out. I thought we agreed it's better to leave it in. No, I want it out now. Please. Detective Wartz, I need to speak with Miss Marla May. Oh my god, he's dead? When did he die? It was our first time with... I, I don't know what happened, how he died. I can't, I can't explain it. Marla, I don't think it's a good idea to be talking to the police. 
I know this wasn't your fault. Jacob is a good person. So are you. At my appointment, he just like really wanted me to get an IED. I think he invented something and put it in her. You must have it too. I think she tried to take it out herself. And that's what killed her. Keep your hands where I can see them. Open the curtain. Slowly. Uh, that's right. Uh, Marla, uh, originally titled Marla May when it was doing the f uh, festival circuits. It came out in the festival circuits in 2016. Um, so for a couple of years, uh, it did the festival circuits. And then in 2018, it got its major release uh, as most s small budget uh, horror films uh, do um, through VOD. Um, the film uh, was... Um, uh, a, a noted film by horror fans at the time, um, and uh, we decided to take a look at it. Uh, you can actually now watch it for free on Tubi uh, if you uh, use the Tubi app on your uh, uh, Apple TV, Roku, or whatever, or just on your computer or cell phone. Uh, Tubi allows you to see it for free. You can also buy the disc. Uh, I do actually have a, a copy of the film. Uh, I bought it... Um, last year or the year before because I, I, I had seen the film through a screener uh, originally I'll discuss that in a moment and then uh, of course you can uh, rent it uh, wherever movies are found uh, Apple uh, movies uh, Google Play uh, Voodoo and so on and so forth Tubi had some ads but they were not too bad yeah, some, yeah. They were, they some were... are horrible but Tubi's not bad no there's pretty good yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so I guess we can go around and discuss how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, we will start with uh, you, uh, Johnny Noel. Well, I heard about the movie through you, Philip. You told me that we would be reviewing this movie and to watch it. So I did my homework and I watched it. Um, so that's how I heard about it, and, and that's how I watched it. Um, I, what I thought about the movie is um, I liked it. Um, as far as, um, you know, low budget films go, um, I like the uh, pace of the movie. I prefer the slow burn type of movies. Um, and I really, really like that, uh, that, that, that type of soundtrack that always brings me back to my childhood when I, when I saw the first Terminator, um, you know, that, that synthetic music or whatever, just, I, I've always kind of liked that. All right. Very good. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, how I heard about the film, uh, I actually heard about this film from Jason Lloyd of Horrorphilia. Jason Lloyd of Horrorphilia uh, had a Horrorphilia podcast network. Uh, he closed it down about uh, two months ago, um, and uh, he had been around for 10, 12 years. Um, uh, however, he still reviews films on the side and, and just runs uh, stuff for himself without uh, hosting other people anymore. Uh, he actually um, said he may actually be doing another podcast, and uh, he's going to be joining uh, the Dark Discussions News Network. So that'll be exciting because uh, he's, he's one of the bigger uh, podcasters in the horror community. Um, he uh, he had used to run a, a podcast called Buddy Bits, which... Uh, 
I had uh, podcasters from all over come on and review screeners. And uh, I was volunteered to do one of them, so I said, sure, I'll t- take a look. And he actually assigned me Marla. Um, and so that's how I heard about the film, and I watched it back then uh, in 2018 when it first came out, right, literally two weeks or three weeks before it came out. Um, yeah, I actually um, liked the film a lot back when I saw it. I was surprised. Uh, usually screeners, a lot of screeners, you just never know. They're hit and miss. Uh, but I, I liked it a lot. Uh, it really has a, a great uh, midnight movie feel. Um, it's got uh, a dark story topic. Uh, there's a, a good 15, 20 minutes, as Johnny mentioned, that uh, builds up the film uh, with background and whatnot so you don't have uh, major... Um, action scenes at first and then uh barrett i was talking to offline there's one scene that happens and from that point on the film it goes uh quote unquote ape shit i guess uh the film is uh, definitely a uh a uh midnight movie uh so if you like midnight movie um madness uh or midnight madness uh, midnight movie madness i think is what bill castanelli of of uh the HMP podcast would call it. Uh, this film is definitely that. Um, the acting, uh, the lead woman, she actually, uh, like uh, Barrett mentioned, wrote and, and uh, uh, directed the film as well. And, and for her to do all three as the lead, it was pretty impressive. Uh, so yeah, uh, uh, big thumbs up for me. I, I really enjoyed this film uh, the first time I'd seen it and just revisited it two days ago and it still holds up. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Yeah, I really like this film. I think <laughs> it goes apeshit is a perfect description of <laughs> where it goes at that point. Um, yeah, there, it's the slow burn in the beginning and then things go crazy. And it's definitely a good midnight flick, like you said. Um, I heard about it through you. Uh, and Otherwise, I might not have heard of this, um, which is surprising. I try to keep my eye out, but there's so many films. Um, and I like to see what lower budgets can do with horror movies because usually they have to be more innovative in their horror or more subtle um, and not just, you know, jump scares and things like that. So I I really enjoyed the movie. Very good. And uh, Kevin? Yeah, um, I heard about it from from you, Phil. Pretty much just said, hey, this is what we're going to do Wednesday night. Watch it. It's like, all right. Um, you know, as we were mentioning, this is a low budget. I'm kind of looking up the the main actress. Um, was it uh, Lisa Van Dam Bates, who is the main actress, also the director and writer and uh, things like that. And I'm I'm looking. This is I think really one of the her first. This is her also debut as an actor. A lot of the stuff that she's done in the past is uh, uh, makeup, special effects. Uh, things like that. So this is really her first time actually being in a movie. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different. It's uh, it's a different take on a horror movie and something I've never seen before. All right, very good. Uh, one other person that we should mention is Chris Kelman. Chris Kelman uh, was the composer because uh, I know. Uh, Kevin, offline, you mentioned how you liked the the soundtrack. As Johnny Noel mm. mentioned, that he liked the soundtrack too. Uh, so Chris Coleman, because he hasn't done anything since this film. Yeah, but uh, not, if I can, yeah, the soundtrack is is heavily it's synthesized synthesized 
you know, you synthesizer. I haven't heard a, a movie with a soundtrack like that in I don't know how long. I mean, it has a very 80s. Would you say it's like an, a very 80s sound yeah. to it? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. the thing is, is that it's like the in, virtually the entire movie is that way, which I, I just thought, OK, well, this is different. This is definitely different. I did, you know, the this I I was good with it um, <clears throat> because it, it it's just different. You don't hear a synthesized soundtrack. Now, maybe they did the synthesized soundtrack because it's one instrument, one player, one you know that but um you know they it this is a low i mean they a lot of people are saying this is a low budget and they 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 made the the, the most out of the, the the most out of their money and i thought the synthesized music was a, was a good move yeah i thought it was awesome i loved it i thought it was really cool yeah there's been a couple of films that that do that uh it follows did it uh, vfw mm. did it uh, uh this one did it marla uh so so uh, a lot of filmmakers who grew up on the films that w we loved uh in the 80s you know the john carpenters and all that stuff west craven and so on uh sean cunningham and on and on um they, they obviously took influence from uh those films and and decided to use that type of music and and uh, their films uh it follows vfw and, and uh, this film here as well um and uh yeah so so uh it is it is cool um and nostalgic as well um all right so um before we uh start talking about the film uh i guess uh barrett uh, do we have a wiki we do. Wiki, 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 wiki. Uh, when a girl goes to get an IUD implanted by a distant relative, he commits a deranged act which has deadly implications for those close to her. All right. Um, yeah, I don't like that. Uh, I don't uh, either. Because it gives, <laughs> out, it gives away too much right off mm -hmm. the bat, right? Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the trailer, uh, or if I have, I, I, I forgot what it was in it, but has anybody seen the trailer and, and noticed if, if if that spoiled anything about? I I saw the trailer um, and I absolutely do not remember. Um, I was remember watching the trailer saying, you know, I, I mean, I know um, Eric, co-host Eric from the Dark Discussions podcast would say um, <clears throat> intercourse trailers. Um but right. um, I had to, I had to, I'm sorry, Eric, but I had to watch this one just to see what it was like. Um, I, it, I kind of knew what, ha I, yeah, it, it kind of gives it away. But the thing is, is that it, it doesn't, it's not much of a spoiler just because the, the, uh, the hilarity ensues uh, pretty quickly. I would rather they'd have said that, um, I, I wish they'd have left that he commits a deranged act out. Like she goes to get an IUD and then strange things happen would have been a better, yeah. <laughs> better well, one for me. Is, I mean, for example, when this is deadly impl implications for those close to her, um, that's not quite true. You know, right. I, I mean, for example, the, the, oh, hang on a minute, let me get, get the character's name. Um, 
Jules, I think. Yeah, Jules, uh, the, the the redheaded girl, um, yep. the friend. You know, she uh, nothing happens to her. You know, and they were becoming close friends, and nothing happens to her. Um, things like right. that. Well, well, and that's the thing too. Uh, it only happens to certain individuals whether she likes them or not right and this is saying that it's people who are close to her but i mean close technically um based off of uh um body to body or whatever well, but physically but yeah physically close but but yeah emotionally close or whatever uh, that's not necessarily true so that that's a fair right. point Kevin. well and do we do we definitely know it was a deranged act i mean we don't necessarily even know what he did from the movie so calling it a deranged act right. kind of yeah. either gives it away or doesn't at all because well, you don't know <laughs> you know what i wouldn't call it deranged uh, it should the word should be nefarious yeah I was yes minister yeah yeah because i don't necessarily think the, there was an uh, insanity there's definitely evil and 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 uh unethical things going on and and he could have even been working for the government um one of the articles that Barrett sent us before this episode mentions that he was a doctor for the, the federal government. So it's, it could be something more nefarious than, um, than yeah, deranged for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously some people always argue that anybody who does a horrible thing is deranged. You know, I, I'm the person as, as you always say, Barrett, you know, I always go say, Oh, they're sociopath. And you go, Phil, they could be, but you don't have to be evil <laughs> to be and be a sociopath. You can just be evil, and and you're, you're absolutely right. So we'll get into all that uh, as we uh, discuss the film. Uh, basically, uh, folks who have stumbled upon us, uh, we are not just a review site. We don't review films. We also critique and review films. So basically, we dissect and uh, put under the microscope. Uh, various things in the films, the symbolism, what the screenwriter was trying to say, how the scene would be taken today versus, say, a, another error and on and on. So we, we really try to do the PBS on the film rather than uh, the regular uh, film critic crapola. So uh, before we do spoil things, because because we're going to do critiquing, we'll spoil everything and anything related to the film. Uh, we'll want everybody to throw up the spoiler alert when we get there. Um, however, before we do, there may be general things that we want to discuss uh, that's uh, more of a high level or not spoilery that we can talk about before we throw out the spoiler. Um, so uh, with that, I guess we can do that. Um, now, uh, yeah, first of all, the important thing here is um, – it's not necessarily important for a lot of people, but it's important for some people who may be listening to this, which is uh, women are not uh, well represented as folks that write or direct films and, and never mind act all at once. And uh, this film is, uh, even though it was produced by uh, a man, uh, the writer, director, and star are the same woman, the woman uh, that... Uh, is the lead in the film, and her name again, as uh, Kevin mentioned, is Lisa Van Dam Bates. So uh, that, that's pretty uh, important for some people. So if you're a fan of woman directors or woman screenwriters, uh, that this film is definitely for you. Um, what, what do you guys think about that? Uh, the importance of uh, getting um, 
more women behind the. I think it's important. I think it's really, really important. It's good to have both sides representative represented, and it's good to see a lot more women directing um, the films, so we get to see different viewpoints on how a horror can be done. You know, and and in a higher level, non um, uh, affirmative action way, just having a woman be able to write and direct the film uh, brings in topics that aren't necessarily something that. Uh, a male perspective would have thought of. So, for example, as you read in the wiki, uh, when a girl goes to get an IUD implanted by a distant relative, you know that that is specific to um, that's a woman issue, right? And and so a woman who has to, um, uh, I guess you know, has their period every every month and whatnot. These, these things are important to them, and as a result, that's an everyday thing in their life that they, they prepare for or think of whatever. And so they're more apt to f- find story plots or story elements from those things that say, you know, uh, a guy w- wouldn't, wouldn't even think of writing about. Um, and so I think, I think that's, that is, is kind of a, a interesting uh, thing where, where uh, a woman's perspective can bring us horror films or dramas or any other subgenre of, of cinema uh, to us in a feminine, um, I guess, mindset. And and here, this is a horror film, and in horror, as we know, uh, women aren't as, uh, um, I guess, equal as they are in other genres. Maybe for whatever reason, they, they may not have interest in the genre as much as uh, other people, I'm not really sure. I mean, the people that we talk to on our Facebook groups, Barrett and Kevin, uh, such as Holly Masiak and Lacey Lou and all them, they're really into horror. So this is obviously a generalization more than uh, every woman, right? Anyone? Comments? Opinions? Well, I mean, like you were saying, it's it's nice to give a woman a chance to, to really be involved in, in a movie like this. Um especially horror because you really don't hear much about women being that involved in, in horror movies apart from acting or makeup or what have you. You don't really hear about them much being a, a writer, producer, uh, excuse me, director or anything like that. And so, um, you know, this, this, this woman, like I, I was looking at her IMDB page earlier. I mean, it, this is really the first time she's acted, written, directed. So, um, you know, she she took a she took a step. She took a big step into uh, into another part of, of movie making. You know, she went from behind the scenes, and she still stayed behind the scenes, but now she's in front of the camera. Um, you know, it sounded like she knew how she wanted it made, how she wanted it to look, and she, you know, she went ahead and did it. You know, and I I hope. Um, I mean, I read some of the reviews of this movie it, it, on, on IMDb. They weren't all positive. Many of them were not. But I hope that she has more chances. And I hope because there's if there's one thing I've noticed about this is that there was creativity behind it. There's a lot of creativity behind it. And I would like to see uh, Miss, or Ms., well, Lisa Van Dam Bates um, continue with that creativity. I'd like to see her uh, feed that creativity and um, make it grow. And I, I, 
this may be a, I mean, looking at some of the reviews, I said this may be a rough, uh, rough first movie, but it's a first movie and I, I think she's got potential. I do. Now, uh, that's interesting. You said that rough first movie and, and um, to be honest, uh, being a horror film and being, uh, I guess, a midnight movie, Grindhouse film, whatever you want to call it. Um, partly that's intentional. Partly it's because of the, the budget. Um, obviously, John Noel, you mentioned offline to me, and I'm sure you're going to bring it up. Maybe you'll bring it up right now. Um, you, you read some information about uh, how much um, budget the film was and whatnot. And um, sometimes people to get a f known or to do something, they have to step up and do it themselves. And uh, this this uh, woman here, she actually decided to do that because you know she could have sat and waited and waited and waited, or just get bit parts as a, a character actor or a commercial or whatever. And she decided to step up and say, you know what, I got this great idea. I'm going to write the script. I'm going to um, try to get the funding, find a producer to help me out, and then I'll star in it, and then I'll also uh, direct it, and then I got all this on my resume, and and um, you know, I'll have an audience that people can see it. I can go to conventions, meet fans, and whatnot. Uh, John, what, what, what say you about um, the budget and uh, things of that nature that you read about and, and what you think of uh, taking that step where you just got to do it yourself sometimes? Yeah, just to um, piggyback what you fellas said. Yeah, so first of all, I read that this the entire movie budget from beginning to end was ten grand, which is, I think – unbelievable considering um the amount of work that was done in the cast and and everything um just i mean i mean you go to a trip to vegas with the boys for a weekend is six thousand dollars never mind putting together an hour and a half film so um and like phil said i think she came out of the shoot very aggressive um very ambitious set the bar high for herself and really um, took on something that i think rather than I think Phil just hit a home run with that explanation rather than these small bit parts or whatever. She really put herself out there and took a risk and, and, and made a name for herself. And I'm sure there's, you know, better things to come. Not to say that I didn't enjoy this movie or anything, but I'm sure with what I saw in that, in that film that she has some, uh, some talent that we will see down the road. Um, just to piggyback on what you guys said real quickly about, um, um, the stereotypical female roles or whatever, um, you don't see a lot, um, you know, direct, act, um, write, certainly in the horror genre, um, you would kind of expect it in a, a dramatic role or something like that. So it was, it's really cool to see um, things not be so stereotypical in the in the pop culture world, so to speak. So, yeah, I think it's really cool. And when you consider that budget, and the gory effects, I just think they did a stupendous job because I know a lot of that money had to either go to actors or, you know, so many other things. And still they had gore that looked good. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and also, too, that was interesting, too, is that like a lot of um, female movie uh, directors and, and whatnot um, not only want to get a career for themselves, but they also try to make a statement. I mean, you know, like, like uh, I don't like how women are portrayed and blah, 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 blah. And so they're doing it to make a statement of their own personal beliefs versus just trying to take an awesome idea that they had and make a movie. Uh, this film here, I think, is more that, uh, that because, you know, the, our, our lead 
character. Uh, she's not, you know, some big time executive or uh, a representative in the government or some um, uh, mover and shaker. Uh, she decided to make make her just a, a regular person, and yet, even being the regular person, and there is some class struggle uh, because you know we see that in all the any indie film, never mind Oscar type film, where there's some poor waitress or something, and and how they just live day to day. This film film was was really more uh, avoiding those those stereotypical things about class or woman portrayal and more specifically horror um i think she this woman here uh lisa uh, wants to you know do this type of genre and and she really loves it and so she tried to make it more real in the everyday life of, of everyday people without trying to hit anybody over the head with with political statements i think but i may be wrong there there is stuff in here you know, because the, uh, the article you sent us, parents talked about Planned Parenthood, and, and obviously there's something to go about that. And, and again, I mentioned class. You know, the, uh, what do poorer folk who, and I don't mean trash people, but just people that don't have money to go to a doctor to get I, IUDs or whatever, what do they do? And so there's stuff in there that we could look at, though I don't think that was her main intention. I think she was just trying to make a, a, a really good film from an idea that she had. Well, I think as far as class, there's a lot less of that because anyone around that age can relate to, you know, not having money. <laughs> so, I mean, I remember those days when uh, ramen noodles were all I ate and, you know, <laughs> going to the doctor. I never went to the doctor because, uh, you know, that was money I didn't have. And it just never occurred to me because I was healthy. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's a fair point too. Yeah, yeah, because again, we could also look at this as um, this is just a young twenty-something-year-old person <clears throat> who's works as a waitress. But again, you know, I, we don't know if if this is going to be her final job or if she's really uh, just you know using this job um, for the next step. Uh, the character. For, um, so yeah, that's a good point. This this could just be looked at as anybody that's a twenty-something-year-old and. They just don't have money, too. So that's a really good And they're point. partying and having fun and just not thinking about the future. <laughs> More than, like, a day or two ahead. <laughs> More than point. I don't want to get pregnant right now. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, that's the, that's the deal right there, right? So she can... She can uh, have relations with her significant other, her living boyfriend, without having to... Uh, um, basically worry about uh, the pill or um, condoms or condoms and all that. Even though he did breach for one. Yeah, right, because because this was the first time, right? That, right. you know, you just got it to IUD. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, any other things that we wanted to talk about before we get into any further detail? I mean, like, specific spoilers and all that. Is there other stuff that we haven't mentioned yet that is more general stuff about the film? I'll just say a quick observation, Phil, is that, um, you know, of course, you you research it a little bit after I watched the movie, then in in retrospect or whatever. She didn't make it all about her, like even though she's putting herself on the map, it wasn't like this role that was like overly ambitious that she was like overly like trying to make it about her to make a name for herself. It was like very believable. You know what I mean? Where you believe she was just a 
lower middle class, you know, cocktail waitress that was in her twenties and just trying to figure it out and didn't have it figured out type deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Actually, uh, one of the, I'm sorry. One of the, I mean, I was reading through some of the criticisms and I have to admit that, I mean, I get the criticisms, but at the same, because some of the, they kind of made uh, Lisa uh, Marla's character out to be very like dry and all that. It's like, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, if you think, you know, if you put yourself into her character, she just went through something pretty traumatic. She's still trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you wouldn't be very, you wouldn't be doing a lot of inflections. You'd be kind of monotone because you're still kind of in shock. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And so because I think that was part of the criticism of Marla's character was that she just, she was just kind of level, like the like most of the movie. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, look, if you're in shock, you're not really going to, you're not going to have a lot of inflections. You're not going to a lot of have. You're not going to have a lot of, um, you yeah, know, ups and downs. And his, whatever, you know, right. you might be a little yeah. hysterical. You might have a panic mode. But like I said, you're in shock. You, you're trying to figure out what's going on. You just went through a nasty, nasty experience, and so you're just trying to figure everything out. So, yeah, you're you're going to be a little, you know level well and her her character actually to me seems like that type of person that is just kind of going through life and you know whatever it's just kind of happening to me and then once it's really happening to her that's when she gets really almost shocked she the rest of the movie she's got this shocked face and she's just stunned through the rest of the movie so i i think it works for the character yeah. yeah, and so I yeah. mean that that was the that was one of the biggest care, uh, criticisms of it. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, you go through what she went through, and you don't act like that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I I agree. I mean, I mean, she, you know, she has her hysterical breakdown moments at points, but then she's almost drifting through life at points too, because you know she's like like Barrett said, shell shocked, and and then eventually. Um, she she kind of figures out, you know, two to two, and 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 oh, maybe maybe it's it's something up with the doctor, and 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 you know, so then she becomes more proactive at that point. So yeah, I I, I don't see why they would com- com- complain about that. That's kind of a, a cheap criticism, I think, if anybody says that. Um, now, uh, yeah, John. One thing you mentioned that I, I liked was, yeah, you, you know, it's it's that's how I usually do it too, which is I go in, I don't watch the trailer, I don't even read the little blurb, I just watch the film, and then after is when I look at the trailer, read the blurb, and read reviews and do research because it's curious. I'm curious to see what other people think of a film, and I, I usually do that too. I usually go in completely blind. Um, I'm trying now, to do uh, that more now because right. of your influence, but. Um, because yeah. I used to always watch trailers, but then trailers started getting so bad at telling too much True. that it started driving me crazy. So that's yeah. part of it, too. So, Barrett, you've changed your behavior based on Phil's recommendations to watch movies blind? Because I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah, yeah. Because I used to always watch trailers, cause sometimes, but then they started lying to me with the trailers. And so I, after Phil said that, you know, he doesn't watch them ever, I was like, that's a good idea. I should try to avoid them. Sometimes you can't. But you know, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's 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 sometimes a good way to to watch things. Obviously, we've made some mistakes with TV series, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but 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 you know, if it's only an hour and a half film, you know, if you make that mistake, that's okay. But yeah, versus you know, twenty hours of TV, um, yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll mention what that's all about uh, when we give our um, side projects and stuff at the end. Um, yeah, so um, uh, for two, one, two things. The first thing is, uh, yeah, so for people who um, watch this film, they should be prepared that this is uh, more of a shock midnight movie type right i mean barrett we did uh voodoo a, yeah. uh, a couple of episodes ago and it's more in that line we did we did bliss and um and uh, on the dark discussions podcast and co-host mike who joined us on that one uh he's not into midnight grindhouse movies <laughs> so he didn't really like bliss at all you know v, vfw he thought was okay but he wasn't like really excited about it so it's it's more in that mode than than say some silly slasher or some art house um uh horror film um, yeah I, 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 was it i don't know if it was you john or maybe it was you barrett who told me offline what they felt it was like it was someone said it was like this film and this film to me combined yeah that um, wasn't me yeah i thought <laughs> well obviously john. the movie teeth it just reminded oh, me of oh i did say that too yeah it did remind yeah. me of teeth yeah, yeah. as well yeah but uh, uh, obviously, a couple of the parts of the movie, I don't want to give anything away, but Carrie, for obvious reasons, just because yeah. when you're a kid, those images are burned into your brain forever. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. There's and a you, movie. You, I'm, you, didn't you say one other film too, John? Because I, I was um, shocked that you had known that film. I said, oh, well done, John. Um, was it... Uh, <laughs> Well, 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 you're thinking about it, and I'm going to look it up on, on the text. Uh, Barrett, you were going to say something. I can't think of the name of the movie, but there's a movie that's a sexually transmitted disease. Oh, Contracted. Contra- contracted. Yes. That's the one. That, that is the other one it reminds me of. Yes. Oh, my God. That is too funny because both Barrett says contracted and teeth, and you guys hadn't talked. And John no. said the exact same thing. He goes, this movie reminds me of contracted and teeth. So yeah. I, uh, yeah. Text. I got it right here. Yeah. So, yeah, that is kind of funny. Yeah. Right, but so. a different type of plot, which is funny because it's it, they're all three are different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but but that type of, it's that type of film though. Those are midnight yep. movies, and and it, it's thrown in with that that type of film. Uh, so let me just give a, a little synopsis. Besides the crappy IMDb, uh, basically um, we have um, a waitress that works and, and part-time bartender uh, that works at a bar with her boyfriend, um, Jake. Uh, her name is Marla. Um, she, she uh, obviously, as we mentioned, um, is a uh, dating, sexually active, uh, 20-something, pretty 20-something-year-old woman, uh, lives with her boyfriend, um, doesn't want to worry about the pill or condoms anymore, so she decides that she wants to get an IUD, IUD but she can't necessarily afford it or, or be insured to get one. Uh, so she um, uh, bumps into her, her old uh, uh, distant in-law, like a, not like not related, but, re- you know, like a third cousin's husband's brother type thing. So not really related, but <laughs> kind of, sort of. Um, and he says that he would do it for free um, because, you know. They grew up together. I want to make that clear, yeah. too. They yeah, grew exactly. up together. Uh, so she's going to jump on that. One of those spaceballs relations, Phil, you know? 
Right. That's true. Uh, uh, so also, uh, what, uh, other things going on in the, in the town, basically this takes place in Washington state. Um, uh, there's a serial rapist that's been going around town that, uh, people are worried about. Um, and recently, uh, it's gone to, uh, serial rapist and murderer uh so the, the guy who's been doing the raping has, has now stepped to the next step of of derangement or evilness uh so that's going on in in the background during the film and um and that's pretty much much the 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 whole setup really right i mean nothing more to it to set nope. it up yeah yep. um so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So uh, anything else that anybody wanted to um, bring up that is not specific? All right. So yeah, we, we were in about forty minutes into the podcast. So I guess we can throw up the spoiler. So at this point, we're going to talk about everything and anything. Uh, once again, we critique and review. Uh, so we'll get into uh, details. Uh, but if you are worried, you can always go watch the film prior. Again, it's on Tubi uh, for free, um, or you can uh, VOD it anywhere for like two ninety nine, three ninety nine, four ninety nine, or whatever. And also, you can buy the disc. Uh, DVD only. Uh, it's for about nine ninety nine or something. Wherever you uh, find this online, um, it is time for the juicy specifics. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's let's get into uh, the film. Um, so uh, what did what did you guys think of uh, Marla as a person? Uh, was she a protagonist that you liked? Yes. Yeah. I- I, I mean, I like you were saying, uh, she's just kind of, kind of somebody that's going through life. And, you know, and it's just, I mean, the, the three, the, the, her, um, Jake and um, Kate, uh, yeah, her, Jake and, and Jules, they, they were, I thought they were likable. I thought they were, um, you know, like you didn't want him, you didn't want to see him get hurt. You didn't want to see him go through anything bad, you know, because there, I mean, there's always those characters that you go through and you're like, even though it's something terrible, you still have this good. They got what they got coming to them. And this one, it's, you didn't want anything bad to happen to them. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, th- this film is kind of, uh, I mentioned uh, it follows earlier it kind of sets up the characters as generally likable people, uh, a little melancholy, not as much as say it follows, but, but the characters are people that you can relate to no matter what your race, ethnicity, class. I mean, they're, they're just general people that <laughs> they're you, not in Detroit, like the people in it follows. That's true. <laughs> though, 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 be, though, to be honest, nowadays, I don't know if I want to live in the state of Washington based off of what the hell goes on over there, but um, I see your point. Uh, so, yeah, so it's it just uh, uh, good folk. No, no worries. Uh, I'm, I'm with Kevin. Um, what about yourself, John? Yeah, very much. I feel like, uh, in, I'm sure all of us right now can say we know a bunch of Marlas, right? People just that don't bother you, don't want to be bothered, just floating through life and just chill people. Yeah, what's yeah, not to yeah. like? What's I mean, not yeah. to like? 
Right, right. I mean, those are the type, and she's the type of girl that, you know, if you were 25 years old, single and looking, you know, she would be someone that would catch your eye probably. So, yeah, and and, she, and her, her boyfriend, um, yeah, he just seemed like a, a normal guy. He's, he had a, uh, a decent skill because he did the books for uh, the restaurant slash bar, and, 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 he, and he was uh, a bartender, so, so you know, he, he had something going for him. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, well... And they're all helpful. Like she um, helps that her what turns out to be her friend, probably her best friend. Um, she helps her get a job. Um, he protects the new friend when she's gets in an argument. Um, he's very protective and watching out for the girls that work with him. Um, so they're all very likable. They're they're just likable characters. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's an interesting thing about uh, her friend Jules. Um, yeah, I was suspicious of her at first, exactly. but then, but then they she turned out to be like her best friend in the world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I was worried about her too. We'll, we'll get into talking about her um, when we uh, get to those scenes. But yeah, yeah, the, they they set it up. Uh, whether it was intentional or not, uh, the screenplay set it up where. You were wondering if if she was a plant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that's a good point. I was feeling the same way. It was awfully uh, convenient <laughs> meeting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Especially when she wanted her the phone number and she suddenly got the job without even um, Marla knowing about it until after she got the job. And yeah. Not, she was upset. She was actually happy about it. And, and again, it was all a red herring, but. Uh, it was an interesting thing that, uh, um, whether intentional or not. Um, all right, so uh, let's let's talk about uh, the, I guess the IUD setup. Uh, basically, her her boyfriend uh, thinks it's kind of weird that the, that she could get it for free um, from I, a relative. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, sees well, him well, as a relative, even though he's this distant, distant, distant. She talks about him like he's a relative, right, and he just right. thinks it's weird. And it and it doesn't get better when she says he's kind of like a brother to me. Yes, like, <laughs> that doesn't help. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then she said, and then she says, yeah, me and him are probably gonna go get dinner later next week. And he, you could tell he's immediately jealous. Like you never mentioned him before to me, and he, <laughs> you know. So, so yeah, that was kind of funny. Um, um, that's the thing is that the article you sent earlier, Barrett. Uh, to myself and Kevin, uh, stated that he worked for Planned Parenthood, this doctor. But it's never – I don't think it was ever actually stated. No. And, uh, it probably was in the script. Yeah, woman's clinic, right. So I think it was in the, in a, in a, in the script originally, and, and then they just said, you know, let's just say woman's critic because if you say Planned Parenthood, you're going to get uh, whatever, guess, yeah, that you yeah, don't want to deal with. Yeah, it looked yeah. like a rural clinic to me. Like, right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's right. what it looked like. You'll right. well, end up getting a bill from Planned Parenthood. What's that again? You'll end up getting a bill from Planned Parenthood. Like, what yeah. they, they want their royalties. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> that's true. Uh, but that's the thing is, is that if it is a woman's clinic or a clinic similar to Planned Parenthood, and again, I, I have no idea. I don't know anything about Planned Parenthood except what you read in the news. Um, I'm assuming it's it's free or it's if it's not free it's pretty close to free because it's i think it's one of those 
companies or I think it's based off income and stuff, but I'm not positive. It's based yeah. off of well, there's there are some fees like for uh, I mean, as far as I remember, there are some fees for uh, like medical procedures, all sorts. But the thing is, is that a lot of it though is funded by the government and by donations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's supposed to help. Uh, and I don't mean to use this term negatively, but just based off of what it's known for, which is it's supposed to help marginal people or those who are, are below the a certain uh, income line who can't get the proper care from a, a regular gynecologist or PHP or PCP, I should say. Um, so they go there because it's either more affordable or it's completely free, depending on like you said, Kevin, your income. So it didn't really, I didn't really, first of all, I didn't think it was weird that she was getting it for free because of the type of clinic I was assuming it was because it was for a lower income or marginal people, but also, um, it, it, you know, it's from someone that she considers or, or, you know, that she grew up with that she knows real well too. So you figure it would be, there's a chance that you could get it cheaper just for that fact as well. Um, what did you guys think? Did, obviously we know it's going to be nefarious because this is a horror film, but if this was a drama film and it wasn't a horror film and we just, we knew this was a drama, I wouldn't have thought anything odd about it. Yeah, so but the I, funny part is, is that people in the movie did think that was a little weird. Well, the boyfriend I could see because they made him jealous, right? Yeah. So, no, I mean, when, I mean, even the girl, um, uh, Jules, a couple other people, like, they gave you an IUD for free. Right, and that's the How weird thing about is that. That's the thing that was weird about Jules and why I thought also thought she was a plant was because Jules was going to the same clinic. So she would already know how the billing there would work, right? That it would be cheaper than a regular doctor. That's probably the reason why she's going there too. Um, so for her to be, I think it was odd or strange made me think okay th th there's something odd about this, this girl maybe she's part of the you know she's going to be part of the, the villain you know one yeah, of the villains well, i think what made it odd was the relationship of the person giving the free yeah. stuff i mean yeah. like barrett like barrett said when you're that age you avoided the doctor at all costs because you didn't want to pay a copay or anything or whatever yeah. you want to save the money for beer or whatever you know so you know, the cost or where she got it wasn't the issue. It was an issue that it was like a pseudo stepbrother or something. <laughs> well, you know what? That That's a fair point because, um, uh, and you probably know the folks. Uh, I won't mention them now because uh, I'll just have to beep it out later. But uh, we, we went to uh, high school. Me and John Noel went to high school with a, uh, a guy, a kid, two kids. Um, and their father was a dentist. And their father would not do the, the – they had their own dentist. They didn't go to their father for a dentist. And uh, but I asked my mother. I, I said, that's kind of weird. And my mother said, well, a lot of, a lot of people who are in the medical prof community won't work on their own family because if they F up – I'm paraphrasing because she wouldn't use that word. But if they <laughs> F up, um, then, you know, they, they, there's problems. Well, so what you do, is, you know, you're wealthy enough to 
being in that profession that you can just afford and you have medical anyway that covers it to send them to a third party and, and you, you know that and then you can sue the, them if something bad happens right exactly <laughs> yeah so a lot, a lot of people won't won't do medical work uh, or dental work or any type of work on their family so what you said john makes it more and more apt which is yeah it's weird it's like why would would a, a quasi family member or do such things for a family member it's not like you know uh, i'm i'm working on your car right we're right. not we're not talking about filling a molar either we're talking about something right. a little more intimate <laughs> way more intimate yeah. Well, he doesn't spend a lot of time there, so that was good. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He, he was he was definitely not the the guy was was doing it for nef- what, we, what we eventually find out on nefarious reasons. But uh, yeah, he, he was not a pervert or anything of that nature for sure. We're not really sure what he did, honestly. Aside from yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that uh, a little later when we talk about it. So. Yeah, so she goes and, and sees the doctor, uh, and he, and he g- g- gives her the, what we think is an IUD, and she's waiting for her boyfriend to pick her up. Of course, he forgets. And outside, there's this red-headed girl, Jules, who's hanging out, uh, and they begin talking and, and kind of have a, a little friendship. And um, she, Jules finds out that... Um, there's possibly a job opening at the bar slash restaurant that Amala works at. And so she's really interested, tries to, you know, gets her phone and, and the company name and all that stuff. And she also offers to drive Mala uh, home because her friend or, or parent or someone was coming to pick her up and uh, said, Hey, I'm heading that way. Anyway, you, you know, we'll drive you back to it was her boyfriend. It was her boyfriend. Oh yeah, that's right. He was a yeah. dink. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. He was like a abuser. Type. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so, so yeah, so that, that's pretty much uh, the, the main setup, um, and so forth. Now, uh, anything else we wanted to discuss? Uh, eventually, Jules does get the job and starts working with her, and so they become, like you said, Barrett, good friends. But at that point, uh, myself and you, Barrett, anyway, we're, we're still wondering if Jules is part of the 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 uh, antagonists of the film or not. We're still not really sure. Um. So eventually they have to threaten Jules' boyfriend because he keeps on coming to the bar um, to cause fights and all this other stuff with her and and whatnot. And so, yeah, she's in a crappy relationship. And so to help her, they offer her a room temporarily at their apartment uh so she can move in with them for some time until I don't think the boyfriend lives there does he I think he has his hey, own yeah. place and then oh, he lives there I thought he does live there I didn't think he did Yeah well I I don't know actually that's a good question whether he lives there or not he's he's pretty he's much there a lot yeah. yeah because when you when you're ladies over there and you're um what we call sexually active you're you're more apt to be staying over your girlfriend's house all the time whether you live there or not well so, and marla doesn't ask him she just tells her that she can stay at her place she doesn't say true. our place that's true that's true so um so that's a fair point but anyway uh she moves in to marla's place um and and whatnot and so that's pretty much the setup of the film um and that was the part about you said uh, that, it was interesting because me and John 
mentioned, we liked that a lot. We liked the slow burns, the, the build up, the meeting the characters and all that. Well, you offline, Barrett, told me that um, you thought it was a little uh, longer than you, you would prefer in, say, uh, I guess a midnight movie. Am I right to say yes. that? Yeah, yeah. It, it just it went a little longer than I would like. I mean, I normally like slow burns. Um, but it was a little slower than I wanted it to be for a gory movie. <laughs> well, and it was funny too, because I was thinking of Voodoo, because you know I mentioned that film, and we we did an episode on that a couple of episodes back, and that one had a long build up too. You're right, it did, it but, did. But yeah. the, the difference is, is they had the opening scene, which was violent as hell, and so you already have. Well, here you just start in the day of the life of the main character. Yeah. It's only late into the film that the craziness begins versus a voodoo where the craziness begins at the very beginning. And then we, we switch characters and, you know, we, we follow another character for like 20 minutes and then everything goes crazy again, but we're already in that mood, I guess, you know, yeah, well, and even in that 20 minutes, you get little, little things, not even jump yeah. scares, I wouldn't say. Just little things that are hinting off, that, at off. stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then yeah. it it goes even more crazy than this movie. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing, is, is that the difference between, say, Voodoo and this film here. This film, would you – I mean, I, I wouldn't call this a supernatural film, right? Oh, no. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because it's not supernatural, we're not going to have the quote-unquote off things happen until, right. until you know – the things the first occurrence yeah the first occurrence <laughs> yeah right right yeah so uh, yeah there's no like weirdo stalking her there's no you know so it's it's one of those so yeah i, I see your point um how some folks may feel that it was a slow burn for the first 20 minutes but john you said you you thought it was pretty good the first 20 minutes as i did too um what what what, what did you like about that what i i think it was me it was because i was beginning to uh and first of all, I was learning who the characters are. Plus, Jules and her situation still was a little off because you know I didn't know if she was not if she was part of the the antagonist or not. Uh, but what about you, John? What, what you said you kind of liked that? Yeah. Well, so together. I mean, the introduction to the character, the you know the boyfriend, the bar manager, or whatever. Her, you know, yeah. likable characters. Obviously, you're. The movie's setting you up, right? So you're wondering what what the heck's going to happen. So the, the girlfriends come into the come into the um, play, and you're wondering again: Are they plants? Are they are they going to be antagonists later in the film? Like, what are they setting you up for? And then, of course, she gets the IUD implanted or whatever. You're wondering what's up with this guy who she says she's like a brother to that, you know, intimately places this medical device inside her body and. You just you just know something's going to be off, and it's leading up to, you know, there's going to be gore and blood because you know it's a, a horror slash thriller movie or whatever it is, and you're just waiting for that first, what's it going to be, you know? And leading right up to that, it was just I thought it was pretty cool, you know. And then of course that first uh, bit of gore, I certainly didn't disappoint. In fact, I was pretty horrified. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you know. Yeah, let's let's talk about that because that was the one thing that was interesting about that first twenty twenty five minutes is that um, the the boyfriend character um, and uh, let me get the actor's name. I'll just, as well give him credit. Uh, Travis Johnny Weir, uh, who played Jake, uh, the boyfriend Jake. He 
was was a huge part of that first 20, 25 minutes. Like, like you thought he was like almost – he wasn't a co-lead, but you thought he was pretty close to a co- co-lead. And so when he gets knocked out that early in the film, uh, and, and honestly, I guess besides Jules, who we're still not sure if she's a, a plant by the antagonist or not, she now loses all support system because, you know, he, he, it was – she was she's basically kind of alone after his death so i thought it was pretty shocking because a major character is wiped out in 25 minutes in the film it's the only character that we can honestly know she can trust never mind the audience can trust and they knock him out and then the way he gets knocked out as as you said noel <laughs> and and you barrett the, the gore it was it was like holy smokes it was was and it was well done um so yeah, let's let's talk about that scene. Um, who who wants to talk about Barrett? Why don't you set that up? Uh, so they're getting busy, and he's getting ready to reach for a condom, and she says, "No, you don't have to do that anymore. I've got the IUD." And they start having sex, and a little bit into it, he starts making weird sounds, and then all of a sudden, he explodes. <laughs> Part of him does, yeah. Well, uh, I felt like all of them exploded, but not as extremely as later on. That's one of the things I wanted to bring up. It seems like the more it happens, the worse it gets for the person that she's having sex with. Yeah, because, I mean, there are still parts (laughs) of the boyfriend that's there, and then the next one... um, there's like some clothing left, right? There's That's about clo- it. There's some clothing left. There's some uh, entrails there. And then the last one is just blood. Boom. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean, he pretty much went down the drain. That, that's one thing we, we, we learned uh, throughout the film was uh, as the film goes by, um, the deaths that occur because of the, and the reason they do occur um are more if not more extreme well i don't, I don't know they're all extreme but well she, like, yeah. she actually said like after the second one she said it was worse than when uh than jake what happened to jake right like, yeah because like, everybody just, actually said it, it got worse yeah. well and i wonder if it's based on emotional level because jake she loved the second guy was raping her and she wanted to kill the last guy right that's a fair point right yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I didn't even think of it that way. That it was related to her her emotional opinion of the individual, right? I mean, so that's a, that's a good point. I don't know. That's because, and we'll get into that because it becomes scientific kind of sort of at the end when they're going through the file cabinets, and yet we're never given the full story. Uh, but it could be related to anything from just physical, or it could have been some sort of. Um, um, mental thing. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, well, and I wonder at the end if she's being gaslighted, like they didn't yeah. find anything. Is is she in this sanitarium that's being run by the government somehow? And they're, you know, they just took care of what was there. She's she had something there, but it's not there anymore. Or who oh, knows? Right. Or they're just telling her there was nothing there. That's right. Because yeah, maybe the sanitarium is is connected to the whole project. Right. right. Because yeah, yeah, because yeah. There's, there's some sort of conspiracy going on. We'll discuss that in a little bit too. Um so yeah, so Jake 
uh, literally blo- uh, his his uh, waist area and hip area just blows up, and he and he's he's dead. Um, cops She's come. covered in blood, and yeah, yeah. Jules has Jules walks in. <laughs> what I yeah. thought was cool right before Jake ultimately passed over, if you will, it, um, he started bleeding from the mouth, kind of like obscurely, which I thought was really cool because you're like, oh, this isn't going to be too bad, and then like the explosion happened where you see congealed clots of blood and stuff, which I thought was tremendous. And, uh, and and I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, uh, miss, uh, Van Dam Bates, uh, is quite a Fox too, you know, in, in the, in that first death scene. Yeah. Is that okay to say, or you got to, it's, it's, it's as, uh, what Harry and, and Sally said, it's, uh, it's not a matter of opinion. Yeah, it's fact, yeah, right? Yeah, it's fact. It's, yeah, it's, it's fact. fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she's a good-looking woman. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, and and so yeah, that's an excellent point, John. Because yeah, you you figure something's going on, and that he's he's about to die, and it's related to uh, the IUD, or, or you know, or at least that's what you think. You know, it, it's a horror film, so you know it is, but she doesn't know it necessarily, and then you think. He's gonna, die, or you just think maybe he's gonna die of, um, you know, he's just having a hemorrhage or, or a aneurysm or something. You don't know. And then, so is there a message here saying to wear a condom? <laughs> well, that, that's that's a kind of that's a kind of funny thing to say that, right? Because that's that's what the old slasher was, right? Where you know, don't have sex, do you know all this? And and nowadays, I like it follows, right? That was similar. Oddly, I brought that film up a couple times already, more because of the the soundtrack not because of the story but that film too is kind of some people say was a film about sex and protection and all that other stuff right i mean i'm not convinced he would have lived even with a condom though i mean i feel like whatever was done to her was gonna kill anybody but i mean i've said that kind of tongue-in-cheek about you know it's just saying to wear a condom right no but that's a fair point because you know it follows right that's the the symbolism of that the monster in that film was that it was uh stds or vd or whatever you want to call it nowadays um and and there's been like papers written about that film talking about how the monster and the symbolism was was that and and so you're right i mean if, if she if the guy wore a condom would he been all right and again we never find out because no because uh there's only um three deaths in this film and all three of them uh are, are related to uh no protection um but it's a good point whether you're being facetious or not it's actually a really good point i think um so yeah so her character is in uh complete shock she, she, obviously she's really in bad shape mentally uh the only person she can lean on and trust is gone because this film doesn't talk about siblings or her and her friends or, or her parents or anything like that you know the only only people we know are are um jake and her new roommate jules and at this time i'm still convinced that jules may be a plant by the conspiracy um so i think by this point i was like i didn't think that she was because she seemed horrified (laughs) when she came in that room yeah all right that's fair yeah 
Um, what about you, uh, John? Uh, did you ever think Jules was a plant, or did you always think that she was just a another twenty-something-year-old that, which is all she was, as we find out in, by the end of the film? Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point, and I think that's where this movie does a you know a pretty good job is that you don't know you're like is something off with her or is she a friend? So it kept you kind of guessing until you know the end when they were in kind of investigating the doctor, so to speak, and um, um, the one who's responsible for putting placing the IUD. Um, yeah, yeah, I I I think you know what I think it was intentional put that way in the script because they could have just had her as a as a a friend right from the beginning of the film you know that oh this is my friend from 10 years ago we've been friends for 20 years whatever but they didn't do that so i think um our our, uh, screenwriter here uh lisa van dam bates intentionally made the character a quote-unquote new friend to make and and meeting her at the clinic where the the nefarious thing happened uh, to make us wonder, uh, at least for a good portion of the film. Um, what do you think, Kevin? It never really occurred to me that she could have been a plant. Uh, maybe I was just not thinking about it that way. Because uh, my whole thought was they just had to write her in somehow. And why not just chance meeting? Hey, you know, you know we'll be... I mean, I don't... I mean, it's... Marla didn't obviously look at her and say, oh, I want her to be my friend, but it's just kind of circumstances being what they are. It's just first, you know, this woman offered her to ride. She says, okay, sure. Which I have to admit is a little, was a little odd on Marla's part because, well, I'm both of them really, because if you think about it, how many people that you've never actually met before give you a ride or how many people that you've never met before do you offer them a ride? Especially well, if you only spend like like a minute just saying hi, what's your name? Well, what was your name again? You never, you know, where Marla was kind of being a little standoffish, you know. At, at that age, I was more likely to do that than well, now. Well, let, let me let me uh, interject for a second, Kevin. Which is especially uh, uh, attractive young twenty two, twenty three year old girl or woman, if you prefer, um, going into a car with two strangers, right? I mean. That's, I mean, as Barrett said, when you're that age, you're, you're not as smart, you know, but, <laughs> you know, I, I remember once me and my girlfriend were coming back at the time, we're, we're coming back from a, a restaurant bar and uh, we're near uh, University of BU, Boston University. And um, uh, these two drunk girls come running into the middle of the street on one of the side streets and say, and, and so I pull over because, uh, you know, I, I have to pull over because they're in the middle of the street and they go, Hey, can we get a ride back to our place? It's down the road. And my girlfriend was pissed that, that I let them in the car, but it's like, away. <laughs> I so, bet she was. So, so we drove, <laughs> we, they get in and we drive them to, you know, down the road, like three blocks and they get out and whatever. And that's it. But I'm just thinking, Years later, I always think about it. It's like, what happens if, if me and my girlfriend were, were like psychopaths? You know? Right. Serial killers would not be successful if there were not prey that got into cars yeah, <laughs> or <exactly>. something. <laughs> exactly. So so that's a fair point, Kevin, to interject. But uh, continue continue uh, the quote-unquote oddness of someone just jumping in, even though Barrett's point was legit, which is when you're young, you're dumb, right? Well, yeah, because, I mean, there are things that mean. Now, granted, I'm not a, a young 20-something woman. I never was. 
Um, <laughs> honestly, I wasn't. Eric could testify to that. Um, but the thing is, is that I remember, what was it? Um, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, I I mean, I when I was in college, I did give rides. I did drive people that I really didn't know very well to places. But the thing is, is I don't know. It's, my whole thought, I mean, they were women, and I just thought, hey, I'll just give them a ride. It's not like I was going to ask them out to dinner or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, sure, I'll give you a ride. Why not? You know, my car's here. I'm in a good mood. I feel generous. Let's go. And, um, you know, uh, I re- it's funny because, I mean, one time I remember driving home from a church from from a church service and there was this one woman that that stayed in my dorm that she was why she was walking back to the dorm. And you, it, you're talking like a good 45 minute walk. And I just kind of pulled over and said, hey, you know, you're you're in my dorm, right? You know, I was like, my name's Kevin. Hey, you know, do you need a ride. She's like kind of like, yeah, OK, sure. I'm sort of thinking now. I look back. It's like, did you even recognize me, or do you just figure, oh, okay, I'm, I'm coming from the same church, you know, must be okay. Um, but the thing is, is that going back to this, you have a woman that she she does not know Jules. You know, Jules even introduces herself. Marla doesn't give her name yet because Marla seems to kind of be kind of well skeptical, which to me was healthy but then she says yeah i'll give you a ride and marlon probably just said yeah okay sure um i mean they barely even talking for four minutes four or five minutes so they get a ride and so as they're going to the bar for some reason marla says oh yeah you know we, we might have an opening for you here which you know okay that that's something but then she but then marla gives jules her her cell phone number. And so, I mean, from that short time between driving from the clinic to the, to the bar, you know, that Marla would give still a, a stranger her cell phone number. I don't know. I just found that a little, I don't know. Kids these days are doing crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, I'm, I'm a <clears throat> year old guy, um, probably old enough to be Marla's dad. Um, which hurt is just to admit that, but, um, I think we all can say that here probably. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, is that <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm watching this and I'd, I'd probably be like, what are you doing? Giving your number to somebody you never met before. And her boyfriend is there too, who we find later on, find out is a total jerk. And I'm just kind of interested. I'm just kind of curious on. Uh, I was like, the boyfriend didn't act like a jerk when we first meet him, like when he first drives her. So I, I don't know. It just was a little like a, a delayed um, discovery that he's a jerk, but uh, maybe he was just behaving well that time. But um, but anyway, so she gets a job, but I don't know, just kind of interesting that she says, oh, yeah, call me if you get, you know, call me if you apply so I can let the let my boyfriend know you're applying. And then the next thing you know, she's there. It's, it's like, Oh, you, you got the job. Like, Oh yeah. But she never called. You know, right. uh, Jules never called Marla. Jules never called Marla. But the thing is, is that I don't know why, but I never, I never assumed that this girl was a plant, maybe because she was too young. Um, but I mean, when you're mentioning her, maybe being a plant, it's possible. I mean, I can see why you think it would be possible, 
Um, but it also seems a little too obvious as I look back. It's like, but like like Barrett said, it's it's a twenty something year old woman. You know, maybe she just wasn't that particularly wise. But um, I don't know. But the thing is, the good news is, is that you know we find out. I mean, you know, we find out, not the good news that the boyfriend was a jerk, but we find out that the boyfriend was a jerk. Marla's just like, hey, you know, I want to help this girl out. And, um, you know, they become best friends, you know, which happens. It definitely happens. So that's why I wasn't so suspicious uh, throughout the movie. And also I thought, you know, if you're doing, if you're writing this movie, you have to, you have to get her to become good friends with Marla quickly. You know, and so that's probably just, uh, you know, Lisa Van Damme Bates's thing is like, I have no other choice but to get these two close quickly. So she, that's just how she wrote it. Yeah, otherwise she'd have had no friends, right? She'd have been alone, completely yeah, well, alone. Yeah. She <laughs> didn't have any friends. She, she, had, she had Jake. You know, Marla had Jake, and that's about it because, I mean, she – she did get along with her other, the, like when we see at the absolute beginning of the movie, we do see her getting along with the other woman at the bar. But I mean, they got along, but I don't know if they were, you know, they didn't seem like they were best friends. They were just, they were, they were probably friends. Well, and then, then there was a, she got in a fight with a, an, another woman at work there too, as later in the film too. Um, I forget why that one felt like so that woman seemed to think she was friends with Marla but Marla didn't seem to think of her as much of a friend as that girl thought because she didn't even know that Jules was living with Marla or any of that stuff right right Uh, well and and that's the thing that's interesting too and the reason why I I thought it was a a plant was because they could have wrote the, the screenplay where they were already friends rather than suddenly becoming friends and making it become friends quick. Uh, But another thing that I thought was interesting, too, is the Marla character versus the Jake character. Uh, The Jake character never really came out, but you could tell that he was a little jealous. Like, who's this doctor? You know, he was more concerned about the doctor not giving her it for free, but the IUD, but his attention to her and he was very jealous while Jules gets hired by Jake and Mala is a different personality. She, because another girl, like the one that she gets into a fight with later in the bar, as we were just talking about Barrett would be the type that would say, why would you just hire Jules like that? What are you, why are you being nice to him? Why do you want to help Uh her with her boy? You know? So it's kind of interesting how Mala is more of a laid back, trustworthy person versus everybody else around her who is more apt to be jealous or or nervous about stuff that are all just in their mind anyway and i thought that was kind of an interesting play where she wasn't jealous of jules while jake was jealous of this distant relative the person that thinks they're dating up is the one that gets jealous and the one that thinks they're dating down doesn't get jealous (laughs) <laughs> or, or dating equally, Barrett. Right, yeah, or equally, yeah. yeah. But the one 100%. that thinks that they're dating up gets jealous. Yeah I, yeah, I remember when I was younger, my one of my girlfriends or whatever, like this this much 
more educated, older, more successful, wealthier person was hitting on her, and I was outraged. So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, because Mala is a really good looking woman, um, as is Jules, but um, you know, uh, Jake, he's a decent looking guy, but yeah, I mean. Uh, Mala is the type of girl that's like you hold on to her, buddy, because your next girlfriend isn't going to be as good looking as her, probably. Um, and then there are guys that are like threesome. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Then there's those types. Yeah, um, though he's definitely not that type of person. No, <laughs> not um, if he's that jealous. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, all right. So let's talk about. Uh, uh, we can get into. Um, now we're we're into the prop where basically Jake's dead, and oh yeah, that's when they were fighting, right? Because she was fighting with Jules. She wasn't fighting with Marla, right? That girl, I can't right. remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's because Marla wasn't in the bar, and that yeah. girl was kind of offended that Jules knew everything already. She knew right. why Marla wasn't there, and she wouldn't tell her why. And, and where's Jake? Like, I'm her friend. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah, and they probably are friends, but not really friends. You know, you know, they're friends at work, and they they talk and stuff, but they're not really hanging out outside right. of work. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so big news. Uh, Jake, the bartender, died. Um. Enter the police officer. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Um. He so was kind of all- weird. Weird. <laughs> Well, I see I mean, Johnny shaking his head. Well, <laughs> the reason I'm shaking my head is because his name was Detective Wart. Wart. I said the exact same thing. I texted. I sent a message and I was like, Wart? What an unfortunate name. Especially when you have an undertone where you don't know if this is like a contracted type subplot or what. Like, right. <laughs> well, well, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So basically, uh, Jake dies. Uh, it was it's an odd death uh for sure um mala is is generally innocent everybody knows she's innocent it's not her fault he, the guy something happened to him but it's still odd and unexplained what happens to him so the police still have to look into it a little bit because whoever loves jake that isn't mala probably has their questions uh never mind um the the uh, coroner and all these other people. Um, I think the audience thinks she's not guilty. I don't think necessarily other people think she's innocent. Like, I don't think the cop does because that's why he's looking into it so hard. Now I think Jules probably thinks she's innocent. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. So the cop has this unexplained death. The only persons that were there were Jules and Mala Everybody agrees that Jules wasn't in the room when it happened. So Mala is the individual of of um, note that that the cop wants to wants to talk to and and try to figure out what's going on. Um, that was one of the questions that I had in this movie: is okay, the cop wants to talk to Marla. Marla doesn't want to talk to the police officer at first. It's like, all right, okay, I get it because you know she's still kind of in shock. You know, but the problem is, is that after a while, the, the police officer is still trying to 
trying to get in touch with her. I mean, she didn't, she, she, it's, well, I mean, I wouldn't say she didn't do anything, but I mean, she did not do anything intentionally to harm him. And so all, I mean, I don't she know. She probably still felt responsible though. Well, I mean, that's the, the hard is, part. <laughs> I know. But the thing is, it's like, you know, she sit down with the cop. It's like, it's say, look, this, you know, I was with my boyfriend, we had sex and then this happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know why. He I, exploded. You know, part of him exploded. And I, I you know, in, I mean, what if she actually just said, look, I got this IUD and then everything went weird after that. You know, maybe she would have been examined. Maybe she would have figured out, oh, this is what happened. Maybe I can get this thing removed, you know, because then later on she, you know, she talks to, uh, to, to brother, uh, her, her brother, who the one who calls her kiddo, um, you know, Dr. Lord saying, uh, you know, don't talk to the police. I mean, that would just, I mean, red flags would be flying all, all, you know, like crazy. Well, just, well, don't talk to police. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself. Yeah, but he comes at that as more of a, you shouldn't talk to police because they can't be trusted. Well, it's, it's just don't talk to the police. And then, of course, then I would also be suspicious of you're talking about Jules. He says, oh, yeah, I wouldn't talk to the police either. You know, and Jules is trying to help her to to not talk to the police. And I mean, granted, I'm I mean, I'm trying to be rational here, which I mean, after what she went through, rationality is probably not in uh, an abundance. But, you know, she'd say, um, I don't know, it, it just seems like talking to the police would be like something to do. It's like, look, something happened. He, you know, because I mean, like, I think I was talking to Phil at the end. I mean, how do you, how do you do this in a prosecution case? Ladies, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm here to prove to you that the prosecutor, I'm here to prove to you that, you know, Miss May had sex with a guy and he blew up on purpose. Well, I don't think they would do that. I think they would say she was found covered in their blood. This is what it looked like. We know she killed him. He had the blood all over, something like that. But how? They don't necessarily need to prove that. There's a dead person and there's a person standing over the body. Prosecutions don't necessarily work off of validity. But this thing is that, that uh, the film takes place a certain amount of time. So, so it's not like you know a year or something like that so we don't really get enough information about the the coroner's report or any of that stuff but based off of how warts is is doing his investigation he thinks something suspicious but he doesn't necessarily think a hundred percent that she's a murdering scumbag so because if if the coroner's report came back and and it didn't say oh this person was was murdered you know by clubbing or or acid or, or something right. then they they you know so you see what i'm saying so because that didn't come back in the current report he's now trying to figure out what the hell really did happen and she right because the coroner the coroner said that they didn't have enough to say right. what happened exactly and so so when mawa avoids the cop and she finally does talk to suspicious on her when she does finally talk to the cop, he mentions a name of a woman that he, she's never heard of before. And right. then that's when she starts becoming suspicious and saying, okay, because maybe her, her first instinct isn't, there's an, my, my, my relative, Dr. Lourdes, 
is a nice guy. He's not a scumbag. And how the heck could an IUD make my boyfriend blow up? So she's, even though we know, because we're, we know it's a horror film, she doesn't. So she's not convinced until after she hears this other person's name of a woman she doesn't know and looks into it. And she finds out that this person has had the same problems that she had in the past, that she's having now. And that this woman is also dead that she discovers. That's when she says, okay, there's something fishy going on. And a second person dies from having sex with her. <laughs> yeah. Which I think yeah. also kind of spurs along that. Right. Something's going on with me. I don't know what it is. Right. The only thing I can think of is that, yeah. you know, this girl had access to the, you know, her relative air quotes. <laughs> Right. Well, well, let's talk about that now, uh, because if this was a different type of film, they would have made Marla more of a potty girl or 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 sexually active, where her boyfriend's dead and she goes out and just bangs the next guy that she sees at the bar. A lot, a lot of films we've seen that happen, you know, one-nighters all the time, whatever. She's not that type of person. So unless they built that character to be that way, and never mind it. Um, she's also not the type of person that will that looks for sex because she's depressed. You know, I just lost my boyfriend. I, I want to get you know think of something else when we have sex because we've seen that in films as well too, where people go to funerals and they they just stop banging the first person they meet. But here, since she's not that type of girl or woman, she, you know, she looks at sex probably. Like like uh, someone that you you know you want to be intimate with is is someone that you love. Um, how are they going to get her to come? You know, uh, the second murder to, or death to happen and connect it that it's related to the IUD, and they do it because they have that serial rapist out there. And uh, so let's talk about that scene because that's that's a good point, Barrett. Um, because that's where. I guess she starts figuring out stuff too. So explain what happens here. Well, she's walking home in the dark by herself. Not a good idea first off. And you know, it's funny uh, earlier in the film, she was walking alone at dark uh-huh. and, so, and she could tell, and she knew someone was watching her. So the serial rapist was already out and about, even though we didn't know at the time because it's early in the film. But when you go look back, it's like, Oh, that's what was happening. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So she gets grabbed. He puts his hand over her mouth and he drags her off into the forest off the side of the street. And he starts raping her. And a little bit into it, again, we get an explosion (laughs) and he dies. But more of him disappears than of her boyfriend. There's a lot less left. The, The thing that's interesting about that is at the beginning of the film, if you didn't, if you go into this blind, not knowing anything about the film, you may think that this is going to be like a serial killer stalker film because yeah. that first scene sets it up that way. Right. And, and that's really just a red herring uh, or a side plot to the real plot, which is the IUD thing. It's and a nice it's reversal. Like, actually. I like, yeah. <laughs> he didn't get any second chance. He was done. He was, <laughs> it was, he was. And, and so, um, so yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think, I don't think she reports it. Right. She does not. And I think the detective's following her tracks, right? And he comes yeah. across that. And across her shorts, I think. Yeah, it's something like that. He, find, he finds yeah, something some piece in of clothing that's bloodied or something, right? Any, yeah. Yeah. And 
some of that guy might have been carried off by animals. I don't know, maybe because it is a, a little ways a little ways afterwards. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's not much left, and so now he's like, hmm. <laughs> so he's getting more suspicious of her. She's getting more suspicious of her relative. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's all kind of leading towards this big climax. No pun intended. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Uh, what about you, John? What do, what do you have to say about the um, the, the flip flop of the uh, at the beginning where you think it may be a stalker film and then it switches, and, and then the fact that she discovers that she has an issue with the IUD because of a rape. But, and it's interesting too because this film again is written by a woman, directed by a woman, and they do have a sexual assault scene in the film, um, and and. You know, when when it's in a film that's directed by a man or, or written by a man or both, um, the that type of scene can get a lot of backlash, obviously. But here, it's it's obviously different because it's, it's by um, uh, the female gender that wrote wrote the, and directed the film. So I thought that was interesting. But anyway, go on, John. Your thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of these um, rape revenge movies over the years from, you know, I Spit on Your Grave, you know, back in the day to, uh, I can't think of any others, I mean, but even there's teeth. been many of them too, even but teeth. usually that revenge is exacted. Right, yeah, right, yeah, good point. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier, yeah, right. Um, but um, usually that revenge is exacted over, like some some diabolical planned out uh you know length of time this was like almost like the revenge was exacted on scene like as as it was happening live time which was i thought pretty cool because we always see these scumbags get away with rape and they live for another three days or a week or uh go to offend again or something before they get their the the revenge or the punishment that they deserve this was cool because this guy's getting the punishment he deserves like right right there, immediately. Right then. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah. agree. Maybe as women evolve, this could be something thousands of years from now that they have a, a like something happens that if, if, if it's not wanted, poof. You know? You got a good science fiction right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Um all right, so um where do we want to go now from this point on? Uh what, what do we want to discuss? Uh, is there anything else to discuss before we get into the finale that we've missed of note or, or, or that could be interesting um, to discuss? Well, it's interesting because Warts finds her skirt or shorts or something. Right. Yeah. You know, um, because I mean, also, I don't know what he does with them, but I mean, earlier in the bar, you know, she's talking to the, her relative, so to speak. You know, and that's when he's like, "Oh yeah, don't call, to, don't call the police." And I don't know. It's just, I have to admit, I, I got a little. When they say, you know, don't call the police, that usually that just tells me call the police. Um, you know, and that's just the one thing is, is like, why didn't she go to the police and say, "Look," or even go to the doc? Well, go to the doctor because she, yeah, you because know, she couldn't afford it. But I mean, just. I mean, you just you just kind of get to the point where there's something and he's even like she's even saying look you know i want this thing out i want this thing out and the doctor's like no 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 you keep it in it'll be fine 
you know, and she's, he says, don't worry, you know, it won't hurt after a while, you know, and the thing is, I'm sure the pain is not really the, the first thing in her mind is, the first thing in her mind is people are having sex with me and they're exploding. Um, that didn't happen before I had this thing put in me. So she's, she, she was, I don't know if she was a pushover, but she was very easily convinced to, to keep it in her, even though it was obviously causing the, the whatever the destruction or the damage. So as far as the police, I, I mean, there is a level of distrust in our society for the police, whether right or wrong. There are people that feel that way that don't want to go to the police or are afraid to. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead, Johnny. Um, so, my bad, Barrett. I'm sorry. Um, no, no I'm say, don't forget they were they were using some recreational drugs too. So, yeah, you know, maybe they don't want to be they don't <laughs> want to be busted for that and stuff too. You know, like that that could have been playing into the factor of you know. Well, I mean, at the same time, though, I mean, it's if she's if she's just say if she went to the police and just said, "Look, this is what happened," you know, and I don't know why, you know, I mean. I, the funny part is, is like she got this bag full of drugs and turns out some of the drugs were for erectile dysfunction. So, I mean, she's taking these pills, like just, just, just taking one, you know, she's taking it like your Tic Tacs. It's like, what would have happened if she took one of the erectile dysfunctional pills? I mean, what does that do to a woman? I really don't know. I don't want to know, but I mean, just. There's, hey, it worked out for her later on. Well, yeah, well, that's just the funny part is, is that I mean, we'll get, to, okay, let's go to the, this thing is that the, she and she and her, uh, Marla and Jules, uh, they, they talk and they realize that, okay, something's weird. So they do a, a quick look, they, they do a Google search on this woman that the police, uh, policeman, the invest, uh, Watch. detective warts, 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 whatever, warts, um, what? Anyway, Detective Wirtz, um, you know, to mentions this woman's name, so they Google her and they find out that she was dating. This was the same woman that doctor the doctor was dating, and they said, "Oh yeah, well we're not together anymore." Well, she died, and so they look at the um, they they look at the autopsy. They look online to see if they can find the autopsy. They find the autopsy, but so much of it's redacted, it's useless. And so they figured, all right. So she gets a call from the doctor, or no, she calls the doctor, and the Marla calls the doctor and said, "Hey, um, you know, you asked me a while ago, you know, if I want to spend some time, you know, like if, if you invited me over, if I need to get away from get away from it all for a while." She says, "She says, oh, can I take you up on that offer?" And so what they do is, you know, Marla. All right. Now, Kevin, before you begin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, that's because I want you to continue that. But I just want to throw in some things right before all that that I felt are interesting, which is um, I, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I think the script is is a better s script than we may think, because, again, we discussed how she has no friends except Jules. Her only person she could trust really is Jake. Jake dies. So when he dies, who can she trust now? And the person that she's trusting now is the person that has just re-entered her life who she considers family, and that's Dr. Lourdes. And so whenever he suggests 
he's she's more apt to um listen because again this is the person now that's replaced kind of sort of jake and the family person that she can trust and whether that's intentionally written that way in the script or not, or if it's just luck that happened that way. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, they have a long history too. So it, it would make yeah. sense for yeah. her to trust him. Right, right, exactly. And so when she, when he, when us who are watching this, um, know it's a horror film and we know that it's most likely related to the IUD. And as Barrett mentioned, people, aren't apt to trust the police, whether rightfully or not. And as what Johnny said, which is if you get the wrong cop who, you know, they may be there to help you or they may be there to investigate the death of the Jake. But if it's the wrong cop, that cop is going to arrest you because, Oh, we found drugs. Well, if it's the right cop, they're going to just say, all right, we don't hide it. We didn't see that. So let's just focus on Jake and what happened to Jake. So when you have Dr. Lords, who you trust, who you consider a, a family member and all this other stuff, tell you, oh, don't bother with the cops. They're not going to help, whatever. Or just keep the I, IUD and you, you know, why well, I have this extra surgery at this point or, or have, have me pull it out and all this, whatever. She may apt to believe it because of that. And, and whether that's intentional or not, or it's just coincidence and it works, uh, I don't know, but as a script, intentional or not, it still kind of um, works uh, in a sense. Yeah, even Phil, if, Phil, if I may, I you know yes. you know of course got the analyst uh, ears on when I'm when I'm watching this. Um, you know, this woman is written by a, a, a female writer and a female director, and I think it's a, a way to show the audience that how powerless women can feel about you, you know. Mm-hmm politically like control their own bodies where the doctor who's a male is going to be like, I know best blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, basically making the woman feel like her opinion doesn't count kind of like the whole like abortion thing or like even contraceptive thing where it's a woman's issue. Men are interjecting. They shouldn't. And I think that's where the writer might be uh, trying to put a spin on it uh, as, as far as, you know, the whole uh, feminist thing. Does that make any sense, fellas? Yeah, it yeah, does. good assessment. Yeah, good assessment. whether or not that's intentional, or I think it is. Just, yeah, so I think so too. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because you're right. I mean, why did she choose um, a male doctor? Because she could have chose a female, doctor, right? I mean, it didn't matter. But you know, people choose things intentionally. Sometimes not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you could look at it as just her being a trusting her relative and the only person that's left in her life but you also could say that this film is is making a statement on uh uh um, who has power over their own bodies you know i mean again you know um that's that's a a really good question you know because we know some religions don't like contraceptives uh and some don't care um a lot of women a lot of women that i know talk about how when they have male doctors a lot of that when they tell symptoms, things that like if a man told them that was a symptom, they would take it seriously, but they don't necessarily take it seriously with a woman. And I, I feel like that's kind of um, part of what Johnny's saying there. Um, 
It, and again, that's, that depends on the woman too, right? Because some women yes. won't even go to a male doctor because they just right. feel uncomfortable because it's someone that looks at at them differently than a woman, right? I mean, if you're a heterosexual woman, you're not going to be looking at a woman a certain way. While if you're a heterosexual male, even if you're a doctor and you're a professional, you know, you're still seeing a naked woman, Whether you know, and, and your thoughts could be different than, say, a unbiased opinion of someone that is heterosexual in the same gender you that doesn't care what, you know, it's just another woman. So that's another good point, too. Um, and then, you know, I, I even threw out stuff like maybe this is saying something about uh, class, too, like like the, the, the marginally marginal people. You know, I mean, you mentioned that maybe it's just kids, you know, 22 year old kids that ha haven't figured out stuff yet. But also you could argue that it, this is uh, a film about um, health care insurance, not being insured, not having money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, people who are in dead end jobs, and I'm not saying their jobs were dead ends, but some people would l look at it at that way. Um, and and you know what what what's their future compared to say uh, someone who lives in that fancy house down the road who can just go and get the IUD and and not worry about it, you know? So um, this film could have all those things implied, even if it wasn't intentionally written that way. And uh, so that's a fair point, John. That whether or not it was written intentionally that way um, about women controlling their own bodies or not um, oddly doesn't matter because the film could be looked at as, Hey, that's what it's saying. So that's a fair point. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, Kevin, you were talking about the big ending there now. Uh, let's get into that. that. I just wanted to bring up those points that were brought up by you, Kevin and stuff that uh, I wanted to go in deeper in, but now uh, I guess we can get into what you were talking about. Sure. Um, so, trying to remember where I left off, it, I'll have to read. Uh, uh, Jules and, and Marla decide, decide that they're going yeah, to to go to the the doctor's house. So they, so what happens is, is that the guy um, comes in and picks up uh, picks up Marla. The doctor comes and picks up Marla. Jules follows them, um, and and uh, what happens is is. You know, the guy's making dinner and she's like, okay, great. You know, oh, hey, can I go to the bathroom? Oh, sure. So she goes in the back with the office. She opens up the window to let Jules in. So while Marla is trying to, um, essentially, while Jules is kind of looking through uh, the doctor's office, doctor's personal office, you know, so she's like, you know, keep keep the doctor occupied. So I know Marla's talking to the doctor and giving him beer and all that sort of thing. And they're talking with each other, you know, nothing much. You know, just, and so meanwhile, Jules in the back and she finds the, um, the file, both on Marla and his ex-girlfriend. And he even finds what looks like the, the IUD that he put in her all bloodied up. Uh, and so what it looks like, you know, Jules says it looks like that he, that she took it out herself and probably died as a result. And then, um, you know, Jewel, uh, Marla goes back and talks with her a little bit and said, yeah, that's how she says, you know, look, it looks like it, they, he did the IUD and took, tried to take out herself and here's your file. So Marla gives Jules her phone and just says, take pictures of everything. And so as she's doing this, Marla's in front again, chatting, but then, um, Oh, and then they then I don't can't remember where it was, but she has the bag. They have the bag of pills, and because what happens is is that um, 
I can't remember if it was before they go to the house or while they're at, I think it's before they go to the house. Uh, Jules is able to discern what the different types of pills are for. Some of them are, you know, like knock you out pills. And she's like, oh yeah, this is a erectile dysfunctional pill and all that. And so they take the, this, the, the heavy sedative pills, crush them up into powder. Uh, and so what happens is, is that, um, Marla goes back with the bag of, of uh, sedative powder and she is going to try to get him another beer and she is going to try to pour it another beer. And the doctor kind of grabs her and he sees, he sees her with the bag of white powder. He says, is that what I think it is? And so he, he thinks it's cocaine. And so here you got this doctor um, drinking beer and thinking he's snorting cocaine and turns out he he literally falls face flat onto the floor. And so, um, in, oh, they also crush in uh, the, the erectile dysfunctional pill. Uh, so, I mean, it sounds like Marla was planning, uh, planning out this bit. And uh, yeah, so what I actually I remember. He knocks out Jules before he, yeah, that's before right. he passes out. Right, because he goes in, he finds Jules, knocks Jules out. And then the medicine takes, and then the medicine or the, 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 the drugs take effect. And then he, that's when he passes out. And then Marla goes back and, you know, he sees Jules. Jules is knocked out cold. You know, I, we're not sure if she's dead, like if he hit her too hard and she's dead or just, just really knocked out cold. So Marla's essentially dragging, Marla drags the doctor, uh, and as we see her dragging, we see that the erectile dysfunctional pill is, uh, definitely doing its job, and, uh, so she takes him into the shower, and she strips down and, and pretty much has sex with him, with a guy passed out until, and until he blows up. Yeah, uh, as, as a revenge, right? As revenge, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a revenge thing, and so, I mean, yeah, and he blows up, and then just then, Detective Wartz comes in, you know, and he's holding his gun to this this screen that's all bloodied now, and then all of a sudden, so she opens it up, she's, she's, you know, she kind of has the carry look, she's all stark naked, covered in blood, and all you see is the blood from the doctor just kind of going down the drain, and, you know, and so as they're taking her out to the cop car, um, it's like no one discovers that you are oh, wait. Yeah, they did discover that Jules is there and they're holding, I mean, they're treating Jules like she's a victim, you know, she's in the ambulance and all that. And so, but they're taking Marla away into a cop car and we don't see Jules again, but then we see, uh, Marla in a, in a prison hospital, a prison infirmary back with her feet in the stirrups. And you have this woman doctor looking in there and she's like, you have no IUD. And that's kind of how they end the movie. Yeah. Let's talk, now let's talk some details about all this here. So, so first off the, uh, yeah, when, when Dr. Lourdes passes out and falls flat, that, that was awesomely edited. Oh, yeah. That, that was a huge fall. I mean, that he that went face a, first into that floor. It was tile yeah. floor. I was like, wow, yeah. that was awesome. It was, <laughs> That was awesome. And, um, and, and can I can I just comment real quick on that that face plant? Yeah. It's, it's brilliant because when you insulfate something, when you snort something, it goes to your system immediately. It's not like if you slip somebody a Mickey, like uh, 
you know, Costanza slipped his boss in Seinfeld, you know, which takes a while to get into your system. I mean, this hit him immediately, this base plan. It was tremendous. Yeah, like, like Uma Thurman and, and, and uh, Pulp Fiction, the heroine. She Precise, that yes. heroine. Yeah. Yep. Right. Excellent, Phil. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's true. And and he thought he had the upper hand at that point because he figured out that Mala was planning something because he found Jules already. And and uh, but but yeah, he, it backfired on him because it wasn't Coke. It was. I was glad Jules did not die. Um, I thought she was dead. Yeah, and when too. she hit her head, I thought she was for sure dead. But it yeah. was refreshing for her not to be dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what's funny too? Let me ask you this: when. When Ma was in the the insane asylum at the end, it, it, she they say the the dirtbag dirtbag guard because you can yeah. tell he's a sexual as as we know. Yeah. Um, he says, "Yeah, your your friend's here. Do you want to see her?" Do you think that was Jules because she yeah doesn't say anything? They shut shut the door on her, and so you think it's I think it was Jules too. I think it was Jules. Yeah. Well, because she didn't have any other friends. Right, that's true too. Yeah, but um, it, but it was interesting. They didn't show if it was Jules or not. It could be anything from you know the, the actress uh, had already left the set and and you know she was already off the shoot, or it could have been something as I was even thinking was it wasn't a friend. It was part of the government conspiracy that w- pretended that they were friends and they were coming to check on her or something. But so I didn't even know um, because it was interesting. They never showed the friend in the lobby waiting, whether it was Jules or, or someone else. Um, also, um, at this point, I, I love the Carrie reference because John, you mentioned it earlier, and then Kevin, you 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 specifically um, saw the scene that reminded you of of Carrie uh, as well. But the other thing too is, at the end of the film, there's a chance, and I don't think it's true, but the film may intentionally or it just may be a weird. Uh, blip in the script S- making us think that Mala may just be an unreliable narrator and just insane but I don't think that I, I, I think because again there's no IUD she says it's the IUD that, that's causing the killings the deaths and then they find no IUD in her and so they think she's just crazy so, maybe she has mind powers <laughs> well you know I, you could like Gary <laughs> Well, well, I mean, you you did mention that, Barrett. I think it was you that mentioned it. Like, depending on who the person is that dies, and she doesn't control those powers, and you know, the the boyfriend just dies, but then the serial killer blows up, and then the person she really wants killed, the one that the doctor that she believes caused the whole thing, um, it disintegrates. But but you know, there wasn't enough in the film to make us. You know, they you would have think they would have thrown some some uh, Chekhov's uh, powers, yeah, so to speak, if, if that was the case. Yeah. But the problem is we don't know. Oh, sorry, Johnny, go ahead. No, go ahead, Barrett. I'll, I'll go after you. Um, the problem is we don't know what he did. All we have is a bunch of notes that we got to see some weird devices and whatever, but nothing's found in her. So how? Do, what do we assume? Are we supposed to assume he didn't actually do anything to her? Or also, we... also when when 
the, the police come and put the yellow tape up, do they find all those documents or did the FBI or some government conspiracy yeah. people come in and take it all away before, you know, we don't know any of that. So, well, yeah, I mean, what... It, sorry, just it makes you wonder because who redacted the uh, autopsy report on the ex-girlfriend? Yeah. Well, yeah. he had a friend, didn't he? He had a friend that, that he was associated with. They talk about that in the movie at one oh, point okay. when they're looking into it. He has a friend that they know he would have been the one to redact it. That, that's true, but we still don't know who that friend is. Right? right. We don't know who that friend is, but he, he was longtime right. friends with him from what it sounded like. Right. So... The question is, if there's no IUD and she's obviously in the institution for, I mean, she could be in the institution because uh, she really did go insane or they just threw her there because, you know, the whole situation was, was crazy. The question is, what happened to her and why was her having relations with people whether she wanted to or not why were they dying and and that's really never answered it's because we're assuming that she's a reliable narrator not unreliable right i mean we can all right. say we can rule that out so if if the, i know off offline barrett you said, said and i kind of saw your point which if there was a an issue with the final plot of the film it's the unanswered questions at the end yeah for me that was my only issue with the film was the unanswered questions because i don't get enough closure sure sure um i mean i, I mean if, if you want to play devil's advocate you say well if it's some sort of government conspiracy or whatever we're never going to find out well i have a theory um, yep. Remember how when Jules was looking through the file cabinet, she found this schematic, like a handwritten drawing of what was like a replica of the IUD? Yeah. Uh, it kind of looked like the flux capacitor from Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any, anyway, um, but no, so I had a theory that at the end when you find that she didn't have an IUD actually inside her, supposedly, maybe this was like a conspiracy where this guy had invented um like a birth control or something and you know of course he didn't pay his dues to the big pharma ah that's good i <laughs> so, like that so you know the government you, you know like something i don't know like it, of course i'm getting like crazy here but i mean you get my point like i was thinking like that like there's gotta be a reason why they're gonna li make her look crazy but this guy who apparently invented or created his own iud or something uh anyway Hey, that's no more crazy than me saying they were just telling her they took, that it wasn't there. I mean, anything's right. possible at this point right. because we yeah. don't know. They didn't give us that information. Well, well, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, there's always that that joke, and I, well, it's not not necessarily a joke, but the rumor and and you know the, I guess the um, the ah. Uh, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what the urban legend I guess is the word yeah urban legend uh, and I've, I read it in, in some some throw up novels as well where they talk about how someone invented a tire that would never pop so if it did pop it just seals itself up and this was done like forty years ago you know early seventies or late sixties or whatever or some other some other big rubber tire company freaked. Um, this is again. This is an urban legend. I'm not. I'm not saying that's true. So they they came in. They bought. They either 
came in, bought the the design from the guy, had him sign a document. The guy became a gazillionaire, and then Goodyear or whoever the, this this fictional tire company then took this tire and made it disappear, and it's gone forever because they don't want to to have tires that aren't needed to be changed. In other words, if you still need new tires or they could pop, they're going to still have business going forward forever. So if someone invented the, the undestructible tire, they're, they're eventually going to go out of business. And I'm sure so, there are cases where that has happened, like there is yeah. better technology. I, you know, I don't know about that particular case, but I'm sure there are cases out there where technology has been bought and lost purposely so that one company could make more money. Yeah, yeah, and, and actually, uh, there's a, a novel by uh, Daniel Suarez, a uh, really great uh, techno thriller novelist. Um, he he uh, wrote a bunch of great film uh, books, but one of them was called Influx, and it, that book is kind of like that, where all these people that invent these important things get kidnapped and put into this this prison uh, because uh, they don't want to kill them because they're smart, but they don't want them to release their invention because it would destroy, you know, the oil company or the tire company or the, the, the medical, uh, cat scan company or whoever, because there's better technology that they invented. And so get rid of them and get rid of the invention. Um, and like an immortality drug would be not great because everyone will live forever <laughs> and the world will become overpopulated and there wouldn't be enough food. And so you, you know, I don't think yeah. you'd ever see anything like that, even if it was possible. <laughs> yeah so right exactly so there's always you know conspiracy things like that so maybe yeah i mean again the the movie doesn't have enough information for us the audience to to know for sure so again this is all conjecture and it's like you said john you're just going off the ranch and, and throwing out something totally. but but again it's good enough because again w w our perspective oddly is is mala it's not a film about anyone else, anyone else. So all we're going to know is what Marla knows. I'm going to reverse myself on my opinion because of this conversation. I actually like it now because it has created a lot of conversation, which is maybe what they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why not? Right. You know, and, and that's the thing is that a lot of new films, more recent films than this one. And I can't, oddly, I can't think of them at the moment, but um, I've mentioned it when uh, I was doing other Halloween boutique psychotronic views or doc discussions podcasts or whatever, where I've said to uh, like co-host Mike and stuff, I see your point, Mike, but this film it doesn't want that exposition or that a moment of, ah, what is it? Because we're not looking at the film through everybody that's in the film we're looking through the film just from this one character and if this one character doesn't know then we're not going to know yeah you know so whether that's intentional or not or just something that is that way because you know coincidentally i don't know but uh yeah um and that's pretty much the end of the film right there uh she's in a in prison uh we have the, the scumbag uh, guard who I he's unzipping her front yeah, and then she zips it back up and you yeah. know he's gonna blow up soon 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He definitely deserves it. If, if he's a scumbag, all right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I, and that's pretty much it. Is is she's basically being walked to the cafeteria or something, and and that's that's the end of the film. Um. Let's see, before uh, we get into anything else, uh, any other parts of the ending or any of the film that we've missed that you wanted to bring up or just general things that uh, were on your mind that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, so the, the prison guard who unzipped her, I think that was another um, indication to the viewer that this is written from a feminist uh, point of view where women get marginalized, women get victimized, women get taken advantage of when people have positions of power and don't take them seriously or et cetera, et cetera. That's yeah. an excellent point, John. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point because because um, besides the, the serial rapist, um, you know, you you get your perverts no matter what. Uh, every every other male character in the film, even Doctor Lords, weren't perverts, um, but the Doctor Lords represented um, controlling a woman's body versus the woman being in control of her body herself and the guard represents um yeah a sexual power over uh those who are uh weaker than you specifically um a woman um so yeah that's that's a really good point so yeah you could be right john um uh whether that was just thrown in at the end to to say hey i might as well put some make a statement or it, again if it was just put in and it was just a interesting scene she thought and and but it can be looked at that way i don't know but that's a good point john uh, you could be right it could be uh trying to make a, a point and, he, and again even if it wasn't intentional or it wasn't trying to make the point it's still a screenplay and a film directed by a woman right so she would put things in that say a, a, a guy wouldn't wouldn't think of putting in. So that, yeah. Um, what do you think, Barrett? Do you think you think that was possible? What John said that it was intentionally making a point about, uh, um, I guess, uh, male uh, violence against against women. Yeah, I think so. I think that it was um, one more addition that would lead me to believe that that's you know one of the themes of the film. Right. What about you, Kevin? No, it's pretty much what Barrett said. And also, I I, I do also agree that uh, this is definitely an interesting take, um, you know, from a woman's perspective, which probably would be a little different than what it, I mean, I, I, I would be surprised if you had, you know, if a guy wrote this, that you would have a guy trying to, uh, you know, try to take advantage of, you know, of Marla. I mean, it's that kind of thing happens today as or you know we see it happen before in tv shows and movies so um yeah all right all right um all right so uh yeah we recorded for about two hours or so so uh we'll probably skip the news or what we've been watching uh today um there was one funny bit that i found about the film yeah um so the actor that played Dr. Lords, because of photos from yeah, yeah. taken from the set, he he was he had walked away from a probation, so he got arrested right after the film finished filming. <laughs> Federal yeah, but, agents saw his picture in a newspaper. 
Right, right. And it's kind of funny, too, because the producer, um, he actually said, and everybody on set said the guy was, you know, they actually brought him in and he was just one random actor for the role, but they liked him. And they said, oh, you know what, we're going to, we're going to hire him and change the part a little bit and, and use him. And everybody on set said they enjoyed working with him and all that. Uh, that he was a great actor, professional and all, all that. But yeah, he had a, um, a warrant out for arrest for um, basically uh, breaking a probation or something. And so um, at the end of the, they lucked out. It was at, right at the end of filming and they were basically, you know, doing the, the casting party or something. Uh, and, and they, they came and arrested him. And so Jason Stange, the, the actor um, uh, was, was arrested. So I don't, I don't know if he went to jail or anything or he got a slap on his hand, but I guess he had been in, jail for 17 months earlier in his life uh and this was related to um um i guess his probation and and he had kind of left um the, the the home that he was living at and and hadn't gone to probation and that's why he was they had the warrant on him so, yeah they don't like that a whole lot when you just leave your probation <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if if it was because of the movie. He he went for the movie and yeah. he just left, and he didn't he didn't bother telling him or something. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I'm not sure what what Jason Stange has done since, but uh, um, yeah, that was a, a little interesting trivia uh, yeah. about the movie. Yeah, it seems like that was his last acting role. Uh, so yeah, he hasn't hasn't been doing anything recently. So I wonder. I'd be curious to see what's up uh, with him. Uh, but yeah, so. All right, so uh, uh, we just actually got some uh, news, uh, exciting news. Uh, Barrett, what, what's, going, what's going on? We are going to be interviewing the director, writer, and star of the movie, Lisa Van Dam Bates, uh, next week. Yeah, yeah, we were uh, able to find her on uh, social media, uh, reached out to her, and uh, she was uh, very excited uh, that we uh, had found her film and, and uh uh, agreed to come on so uh we're going to bring her on uh next week uh whether the episode will be released right away or not uh, sometimes we release it a week or two after so there's usually like the the review of this film so this episode here then we release like another film that we talked about and then we do a third uh the third week later is when we release the the interview uh so we'll, we'll figure that out but uh oh no yeah it's kind of exciting so we'll get to talk to her uh ask her some of these unanswered questions you know what yeah. what, what you know what happened uh what was the thing uh, you know again she may not answer because you know we know how some uh filmmakers are they go well that's for for everybody to interpret the, the way they want to interpret it. But I like seeing how they're going to answer the stuff that we asked. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Like, like John, you mentioned, uh, the scene about the guard, you know, I mean, were you trying to make a statement? You know, you know, we can ask her all these good questions, uh, rather than just do our conjecture that we did tonight. Uh, so yeah, that'll be exciting. So, uh, look out for that episode too. All right. So I guess we can get into our final thoughts on this film here. Um, so, uh, Guess we'll do a roundtable. So uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Uh, this is a different movie. Um, I mean, like we were, we found out how how low budget it really was. That uh, they they were very efficient with their money. They did. Uh, I I like the way it was written. It was a um, you know the three main the, the three characters uh, 
sorry, I got to get his names, Marla, Jules, and Jake. Um, you know, we found ourselves liking them. And uh, this was definitely one of the more different types of horror movie I've seen. Uh, it's not every day that you see someone die or essentially dying immediately, uh, being blown up for after having sex. Uh, it's definitely uh, not common. And so I think that uh, Lisa Van Dam Bates is creative in in doing this uh, in doing this movie, and I hope she has a chance to do more. All right, very good. Um, yeah, uh, before I give my thoughts, uh, yeah, just for folks who are listening, um, uh, yeah, the topic makes it sound like it's it's a crazy uh, sexploitation, but it's not. Um, uh, the 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 nudity that you do see is uh, part of the, the film and, and there is no really explicit stuff. So, so when we're talking about a film that discusses birth control, IUDs and people blowing up because of some, something like that, um, don't think that this is sexploitation or, or softcore or anything like that. This is, that's just a plot device uh, for the film. But uh, to give my final thoughts on the film, uh, Kevin had an excellent point, which is it's an original uh, in a sense. I mean, we, we've seen stuff similar to this. We mentioned Teeth and we mentioned uh, It Follows and, and Bliss and all these other things that have aspects of people blowing up or uh, symbolism of, of sex as as a, a disease or something. And uh, this this film is in, in that subgenre, but it is different and kind of original compared to other recent horror films that uh we've reviewed so kevin had an excellent point there uh if you like uh midnight movies um and uh midnight madness type movies this is a really good one because it has those aspects the blood and the boobs and the and all that crap um it's so it's uh really cool kills um if you if you're into that as well the gore but as a story uh the more we talked about it um there was a lot of stuff that we really were able to talk about um so the film actually does have a, a excellent subtext uh behind it um and the script is actually smarter than i actually even thought it was so um in that way it's it's a good film as well so uh i i give it a high recommend because uh um it's a great late night horror film and it has has aspects that both uh cinema fans would like but also uh gore hounds and the 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 bo- bo- blood and boobs people and all that so it has everything that a good midnight movie uh is and yet it, it also is uh, a legit film too because it has an interesting plot thriller type aspect as well so uh, I, I liked it a lot uh, big thumbs up uh let's go with you john um yeah i liked it um very much um I really think we're going to see some great things from this uh, writer, director, act, actor. Um, time will tell with that. Um, three, three takeaways. Um, Phil, you mentioned uh, she didn't seem like the type of girl that would just sleep around, you know, and I'm not sure what Dudley Dawson would have to say about that, but um, that was one takeaway. Uh, secondly, um, secondly, it, it reminded me of the Eddie Murphy uh, skit. I don't know if it was Delirious or Raw, where he said that venereal disease is very serious, where you put your dick in and you blow up or something to that effect. Uh, I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. <laughs> I thought of that when I was watching the movie. Um, 
And, and, and the last thing on a little more serious note is um, I think the movie is a metaphor uh, from a feminist aspect of what happens when women don't have access to good um, health care, feminine or, or, or women's health care. Um, uh, these things can happen, whether it's, uh, you know, you know, you know, safe abortion or uh, contraceptive or birth control or whatever. I think it's a metaphor for feminist rights and women's rights and things of that nature. I could be wrong. We'll find out next week when we speak to her. Um, but uh, I've heard some horror stories over the years of people that had these horrible problems with IUDs where they basically get dislodged and become infected and big problems for women. And I think it's a, a metaphor for the, the, the things that can happen uh, to women, specific uh, healthcare or whatever. I hope that made sense, fellas. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll even uh, make it more general, John, um, because yeah, obviously you can because it is about a woman and it's about an IUD. But you could argue that the film is, if you want to make it more broad, is a, a metaphor for um, the inability of any human being to get proper health care uh, because of of money in, in general or, or yeah, facts, the marginalization. Facts. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a more broad way. You can look at that way. Yeah. Uh, Barrett. Um, you know, I said, I like this film going into this. Uh, I think I like it more even after we discussed it. Um, some of the points brought up uh, kind of changed my mind on some aspects. And I, I mean, I liked the movie before. I think I love it now. Um, it was very enjoyable. Um, I'm glad to see more women in horror and taking on all the roles um, writing, directing, and acting in it. I mean, I just find anyone that can do that, all those jobs, impressive to begin with. Um, and this is definitely a good Friday night movie, like you said. Um, it's fun. It's got a lot of good gore. Um, and the plot definitely leaves you wondering what happened. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. And also, the the lead actress is... Uh, is um... Uh, the word isn't heroic, but uh, um, I mean, she, she's willing to go, you know, um, be nude in the film. She's the director, you know, and, and all that. Um, I forget the, what the, the term would be. Uh, uh, brave, brave. She's a brave actress, too, yes. uh, to do it. Um, but a couple of things is uh, the, the the poster for the film is, is definitely misleading because it makes her on the poster look like she's a demon. Um, and, and of course that's not true. So, uh, beware that that's not the case. Uh, but what John says about woman, um, issues and the control of their body, uh, she may, you may be right, John, because on the back of the jacket of the, the disc, it says her body, his curse. Right. And, and, you know, when, mm. when they, when you say her body, you know, that, that really means, you know, a woman her her personal being and then his curse you know he's the one that cursed her uh you know this this doctor so and someone that she trusted too which makes it even worse um so yeah that's that's a fair point um but uh that's another uh, whole theme how women get betrayed by the people they trust (laughs) yeah yeah that's true there you go there you go yep exactly i mean i didn't even look at that the film any of those ways the gender thing at all uh but yeah you can i mean all those things are are right there uh if you really want to boil away certain things or or look at the film a certain way so yeah that's a good point um so uh let's give out some final deets 
Um, so first off, uh, darkdiscussions.com. Uh, join us uh, on the website where you can see numerous articles, news items, release notes, and of course, multiple podcasts besides this one here. Um, the there's a couple other things. Uh, Barrett, me and you and Kevin just finished. Well, actually, let me go with you, Barrett. Just me and you just finished up uh, a show that we went into blind, except we read the book, but we went in blind and <laughs> it was a disaster, the show, but we did I'm a still blind. I'm still blind. <laughs> yes, we did a podcast called Don't Tell Me, I'll Tell You, the Stand podcast, where we reviewed every episode of the new Stand miniseries. Um which And we also reviewed the book at the beginning of the podcast, and then at the end of the podcast, we reviewed the original miniseries and did a little bit of comparison to the uh, new one. Um, the new one sucked, but uh, that's about all I'll say. Our podcast is great, so you should listen to that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think the, the podcast was like about thirteen or fourteen episodes because we had two book episodes, uh, the nineteen ninety four miniseries, and then I think it was nine episodes of the the TV show or eight episodes. I can't even remember. But either either way, uh, we, we we did that for numerous weeks, and uh, people can go and check that out. Where it was a labor was of love, labor of yes. love. <laughs> yes, and uh, you can go check that out on darkdiscussions.com as well. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, we named it after the kid, and then we find out they, they decided to write out the kids. <laughs> that whole show sucked. It was a terrible show. Anyway, um, re- listen to podcast, though. It's a good podcast. Um, and Kevin, me, you, and Barrett just finished up a podcast on a television series. Yes, we did a television series. Well, first we did a season one recap, and then we did uh, an episode by episode. Uh, show uh, uh, about the show uh, A Discovery of Witches. And this podcast is called A Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires. Yep, that's right. And it's uh, actually uh, probably possibly the most listened to podcast on the network, even though I'm thinking The Undoing may have been listened to uh, more. And uh, that's a podcast that me, Barrett, and uh, Kevin did as well, called The Undoing, a therapy session podcast on the six-part TV series on HBO, The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. Um, but, but we didn't um, track numbers uh, in November of last year. We only started tracking numbers late December of 2020. And since then, um, Discovery Witches, Demons, and Vampires has been the highest-rated podcast on the network, while, while The Undoing, even though it was done, was still pulling in uh, five or six hundred listeners per episode, and that's epi- uh, episodes that were like four to five weeks old. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to wonder to think that that may even been is more popular than the Discovery of Witches, Demons and Vampires podcast. But either way, uh, yeah, some some good stuff there. People can check out, and of course they can check out the Dark Discussions podcast, which just had its tenth anniversary. That was from uh, March 9th, twenty eleven to March 9th, twenty twenty one is ten years, and uh, over four hundred and eighty episodes of that. Uh, kind of do the same that we do here, and then of course there's about twenty eight to thirty more podcasts as well on the network. Um, so what's going on? Marla is a 2018 film. It was originally uh, released at the festival circuits from 2016, 2017, and then was picked up by a production uh, release company. Uh, released in 2018, got uh, some decent buzz at the time. 
as those who are a fan of uh, woman directors and screenwriters, um, it's a, it's a movie you would want to check out. Uh, it was originally called Mala May, but uh, when it was released in 2018, they, they just chopped it off and just called it Mala. Um, I, 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 I mean, it's apt title, but I, I wonder if, if the title kind of hurt its marketing um, because you think it, they could have even changed the name and, and it could have really gotten uh, a better title that people would have known that it, oh this is a horror film this is you know the type of film i would want to see mala could mean anything if you, if you just pass it um in a movie database uh but either way it's available free on tubi right now which is good so if you want to watch this film you can watch it on tubi uh but if you uh want you also can uh rent it on vod wherever uh, movies are found and you can even buy the disc for 9.99 or so wherever movies are found um it's always good to uh, support independent and uh, young filmmakers and especially uh if you're a fan of women filmmakers or, or wish they had a bigger presence uh you may want to just buy the disc and in support of uh, Lisa Van Dam Bates, who wrote, directed, and stars in the film. So, I guess, lead us out there. Uh, why don't you do that, Kevin? Thank you very much for listening to this episode, and uh, please join us next week when we actually have time to interview director, writer, and main star Lisa Van Dam Bates. Should be fun. Mm-hmm.